You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. Girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's your boy at 35, the All-American. And then Dan. Fellas, 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 how's it going, man? Uh, What's the what vibes up? like? What up? What up? What's up, Daniel? Not much. Um, obviously, somber uh, somber week since our last show. Um, but, uh, yes, I don't, I don't have much to say other than that, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been a rough week, man. Um, outside of my house being flooded and and, and that type of chaos, um, uh, it's hard to even like focus on that. I ain't, I haven't even been that focused on my house that flooded, you know, flooded and whatnot, man. It's just because of what's going on. But um, we gotta we gotta address it just because you know what I'm saying it's, it's it's a lot going on in the world and we can't ignore it. I talked about it on the big three roll up, uh, morning show today, uh, which we made free instead of Patreon. And uh, we just got a lot going on in this country. Um, the death of George Floyd has, has brought a lot of controversy, a lot of rioting, a lot of protesting, a lot of peaceful protesting. Oh, it's a lot going on. We got Antifa. It's a, it's a lot going on. Um, the president is in a bunker right now. So the world's a little bit upside down. Um, meanwhile, Ahmad, how you feeling, bro? Um, my heart been heavy. I got out in these protesting streets this weekend. Just to demonstrate and be an example to my son is something that I'm gonna I'm probably just do going forward, man. Um, I just want to get out into the community and do more stuff like that, man. So I got out there and that was it was therapeutic in a way. Uh, I felt better instead of sitting on on Twitter crying about it and whining about stuff. Um, we got to get active, man. Our ancestors got active, and, and and it wasn't just black ancestors. I'm talking about white ancestors as well because we didn't march by ourselves. There was some white people that got out there with us as well. It wasn't a lot, but Times have changed, and I went out there yesterday. It was 50 50, man. The white support was good out there, the Hispanic support was good. There's a lot of people out there for the cause, man. So, shout out to everybody that was out there. Amaya, what's your vibes like, baby? I mean, for me, um, it's just weird, dog, because I think, you know, as, as, a, as a country, you know, we've been. Us as African American, as as the as the <laughs> the, the black race, uh, we've been trying to just be equal, you know, for, you know, for over four hundred years. And when you really sit down and think about, you know, what like what we fighting for is just to be equal. We're not trying to be superior, you know, to to, to anyone. We we fighting for the injustices and 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 injustices. I'm sorry, and trying to be equal. Um, you know, the whole George Floyd thing was it was it's terrible, uh, and I think now uh, this is my 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 point of view from it. Um, with the looting and whatnot, I think that's just another narrative to get us off focus of what you know what we need to be focused on, and that's you know our young black men you know get being being killed by by white officers. Um, 
you know, Kaepernick, you say what you Any want. Any offensive matters. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, just yeah. you before, I just want to clear that up, man. Um, everybody in the badge need to be held accountable. Black, white, Hispanic, anybody that's putting on the badge. Because if you're there and you're not saying anything, you're a part of the problem. So black, white, indifferent, everybody in the badge got to be held accountable. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, you're straight. You're straight. You're right. You're right. So um, I think what's, what's been happening, is it ain't been no accountability. You get right. what I'm saying? And we ain't been holding nobody accountable. Uh, so now people are fed up is somewhat the best way I could put it. We're fed up, bro, because we're not having to protest how y'all want us to. We're not, no, we're not puppets. You get what I'm saying? We, we, we try to protest with Martin Luther King silently or, or quietly and, and, you know, and, and nonviolent. And y'all, y'all still bit us with dogs. Y'all still put fire hydrant water on us. Y'all still pour coffee on our heads. Y'all still made us sit in the, in the in 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 the in front of the uh in the back of the bus like come on bro like like come on you know and all we want to do is be equal so then when Kaepernick take the knee now it's a problem with that because now instead of again addressing what we what you know what the focus is and what Kaepernick is trying to get across they flip the narrative and put it on the flag say what you want from point blank from the from the time Kaepernick first took his knee it wasn't nothing about the flag uh, all right. And I heard a guy say it on ESPN today how they how they viewed Muhammad Ali when it was time to go to, to the what the Vietnam War and, and he was and right he didn't want to go. yeah then 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 if then turn around they like oh yeah you know Muhammad Ali was right you know I think yeah, the whole war was wrong it wasn't it wasn't even just Muhammad Ali was right the whole war was whole just war wrong, wrong. Yeah. it was no reason but, bro. I don't want to jump into all of that, man. I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think the narrative it is like, and it's like the news is, is what the news is. The media focuses on negative things. A lot of the looting is not from the cause. I think if you got to be living under a rock to, to know, not know that by now. Um, some of the looting is from from black people, um, but most of it is not from us, man. Just like most things, bro. Like we 12 percent, so we can't tear up the whole town. There's a lot of people trying to stop people from tearing up the towns and whatnot, man. But at the end of the day, um, we can talk about our problems all we want, but I'm, I'm a solution guy. I like to get into solutions, man. So I just talk about, like, from my perspective, how, like, if, if you're cool with me, we I hang out with a lot of people that listen to this podcast. You're cool with me. I'm going to tell you, like, how I feel, bro. Like, step, support support any cause, man. You got black friends. Is, is something going on in your neighborhood? You ain't got to if – if, if marching ain't your thing, because marching ain't for everybody. Marching ain't your thing, bro. Who was out there yesterday? Quick story. So we out there were protesting yesterday. This white guy drive by Toyota Tacoma, uh, blows his horn, puts his fist out the window, right? I throw my fist up. He drives off. Hour later, this guy pulls back up. I don't know this guy from a fucking rocking rocking the road. And he pulls back up in his truck, opens the back bed. He got three coolers full of water and Gatorade. Gave us all water, gave us all Gatorade. You guys keep the fight going, pulled off. You know what I'm saying? It don't take marching. Whatever you can do to help the cause, to help us, because we're going through something. I mean, if it ain't your thing, it ain't your thing. But uh, this is our platform. We're going to speak about the injustices in this world, no matter the color, the creed, or what's going on, man, because that's what's right to do. So that's just my stand. That's my solution, man. It's just, it's just being compassionate, having some empathy for your fellow man. That's and if you can help, help, man. Something's that's going on in your community where you can help and bridge the gap into the, 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 the miscommunication between the cultures and the races that's going on in this country. I saw, you know, it was just, you know, we we asking again, we're asking, you know, again, like Silk said, a lot of the looting and whatnot is not for the cause. So, um, you know, 
do the right thing. That's all we're trying to ask. Morally, what's the right thing to do? All right, and, and, and you know, so we stand with it. Let's get on with the show, man. Thank y'all for, for rocking with us and supporting us. All right, we back. Yeah. Take back. No, that guys, it's an important discussion to have, and I purposefully, you know, as we talked about, just stood out of that one. I, I think it's an important discussion that you guys have, you know, and as somebody that's not of color, you know, um, you know, one of the things that I want to do is make sure that that we do continue that conversation. We keep talking about it long after. You know, today, tomorrow, next week, the month after, it's a conversation that we need to be solutions oriented on. And, you know, and and I put it, you know, I said it yesterday and I'll say it again is is I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that the rights, privileges and safety that that I feel every day as somebody that's not a person of color to make sure that I can do whatever it takes to make sure that you guys feel the same same way every day. So I appreciate that conversation. I hope we can uh, we can keep having it. But um, that's just my uh, my piece. So um, move this on. as always, this uh, this podcast is sponsored by our friends over the Thomas Firm, uh, who handle all insurance claims for property damages to homes or businesses. Uh, their lawyers do have over 20 years of experience handling any roof damage, uh, leaks from storms, water damage, hail damage, uh, hurricane damage, sinkhole damage, um, fires. Uh, then we're going to work all over the state of Florida. No claim is going to be too big or too small for them. Uh, if you suspect that you have any damage to your home, give them a call. Again, it's the Thomas Firm uh, for a free consultation to ensure that your insurance company is going to pay you what you are owed for the complete repair of your home. There's no charge unless they're going to recover uh, what you're owed from the insurance company. Give them a call. Again, that's 813-221-2525. Again, 813 813- Three two two one two five two five. They're also going to help get you prepared for uh, for hurricane season, which starts, I believe, today. Uh, oh. And then they're also uh, still uh, open up w- with uh, with questions or, or any um, requests that you might have about COVID nineteen and what your insurance covers may be. Uh, so again, eight one three two two one two five two five. So getting into this, guys. Uh, Real quick, before, uh, yeah. I'm dealing with my insurance right now. Everything's going smooth and copacetic right now, but yeah. if, if things get weird. I'm going to give yeah. my man Thomas, Thomas Nim a call. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, give Ned Thomas or Andrew Lewis a call. Both great guys. We're actually uh, going to talk tomorrow a bit more about some other things that they're going to offer uh, for you guys. But, but yeah, I mean, if something goes sour, Silk, uh, you, you can be a patient uh, or a, a client number one for them and uh, give us a uh, hands-on a, uh, approach about how everything went. So, so uh, let's get into – yeah, uh, let's uh, let's get into Gator news. Uh, late last week, the Gators picked up uh, a QB commit uh, for the class of uh, 2021, joining uh, Carlos Del Rio uh, and Jalen Kitna, a three-star quarterback uh, out of Burleson, Arizona, uh, I believe. Uh, 24-7 uh, sports had him, uh, or Burleson, Texas, I'm sorry, but I think he plays school in Arizona. I don't know why. Um but it doesn't matter. Uh, so he, uh, number 27, <laughs> maybe he's from Arizona. I don't know, but he plays in Texas now. So uh, number 743rd overall ranked player, number 27 pro uh, quarterback in the country. Uh, Silk, any thoughts on him? 6'4", 200 pounds? Uh, I'm going to keep it a buck with you, Dan. Yeah. You know, I got to keep it a buck. Um, I didn't know who this kid was like that. I've, I've, seen, I've seen the offer go out early in the year. Um, and when the offer went out, I just didn't really dive deep into his family because because it, it just wasn't like the type of quarterback that I want to see run down offense. Let's just keep it a buck. So I didn't get into his family until after he committed. Really, um, the kid can slang it a little bit, but yeah, it's a questionable take. Yeah. Um, it's not Especially to be controversial, not weird, but yeah, I think it, yeah, I think we could have waited to the end if if 
But I wonder if this, and this is like, I want to save this for the podcast because you can't deliver certain things on Twitter <laughs> on opinion. So I wonder if the, the backup guy is, is a, that that's the type of guy they want to go. A guy like Trash that's going to sit in the system for four years. You're not worried about if he loses a job, he's going to vote. So I wonder mm-hmm. if that was the strategy to get the backup quarterback because I know for sure we could have got a guy higher ranked. And I know they don't, I know the coaches on our staff do not look at the rankings. But I know we could have poached something or got another quarterback higher rank. But that always also runs you run into a problem later where one guy don't win a job, they transfer. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they got a developmental guy, a program guy that they know is gonna be there four years. And if that's that type of guy, I trust Dan Mullins quarterback oh, decisions yeah. over uh, mine. Sure. Right? <laughs> I, uh, I, but I do I, that's, that's correct. I mean I coached some quarterbacks. My um God. it was flagged. Yeah, oh, okay, very good. I was gonna say I developed one in NCA thirteen. Went on we like, three Heisman trophies for me. We were like twenty one years old at the time. We got beat by like some forty year old plumbers. So uh, yeah, uh, but uh yeah, I'm not a quarterback guru, bro. Yeah. But like on paper, it looks like a developmental guy there for the long haul. You gotta fill up your QB room. Jalen Jones was a guy we never really replaced recruiting wise. Mm-hmm. And then we took we I think I thought we should have took two uh two last cycle, but we only took Anthony Richardson. Um, so I, I'm not mad at the take. It's a developmental number two quarterback in this class. Yeah, there's not much I can say other than uh, I don't know as much either. Like you said, he's uh, he's kind of your prototypical quarterback, uh, kind of a pocket first type of guy. Uh, he can sling the ball, had a number of interceptions last year. Uh, doing some research on the school uh, a couple days ago, it doesn't seem like that's a school that produces very uh, good football players or, or is a football factory by any stretch. And apparently he's made them substantially better than they've been uh, previous years. Uh, his dad is John Kitna, right, who played in the NFL for quite some time. And so being able to be a sure. guy that you know grew up in the film room and understands uh, he might be a guy you know and you want these guys on your team that are going to make other people on the team better uh you know you hope that you can get something out of him but if he's a guy that you know sits you know two three four years you know maybe plays sparingly maybe plays as a junior or senior uh but can help make others around him smarter and better than then i'll then i'll take it you you need you need that extra person uh in the uh in the locker room but you know if, if we look at this the way that i look at it we've got kyle trask this year we've got Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson battling it out uh, for the two years after that and then after that it's going to be Anthony Richardson and Carlos Del Rio battling it out and then whoever else might be after that so um, you know if, to have him back there for depth would be great but you know again I don't know if we'll we'll see him right um, yeah I don't know if we, we see him either but this, this is the type of like I said program type yeah I'm with you Dan I think we, we share the same type of uh, opinion I think most of the Everybody like flip out over every single take. You know, it's a it's the number two quarterback. Just use, use a little, you know, what I'm saying logic and, and, and common sense. What's going on there? Um, I'm not mad at that take. Uh, we got more. We got some more news, though, right? I'm yeah, we got some. We got some other news. news. Uh, Lorenzo, say what? I said I'm excited about the more news. Go ahead. You was about to get into it. Go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Lorenzo Lingard, five-star, our former five-star uh, running back transfer from the University of Miami, uh, is uh, declared immediately eligible. So Florida does get uh, on the good side of the NCAA with allowing a transfer to be immediately eligible. Uh, he helps that running back room next year. So uh, obviously Damian Pierce, well, maybe not obviously to you, but but you know, in my opinion, Damian yeah. Pierce is your, your RB1. Uh, you think this changes much, or, or how do you think the room shakes out next year? Yeah, DP uh, RB one. 
But that's a hell of a one B. Uh, mm-hmm. If he's healthy, I think this, this is probably our biggest addition to the fall, right? Him and Cox. Yeah, him and Brenton Cox. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the update on Cox? Oh, uh, he, well, he's out of here. Yeah, so he's out yeah. of here. Oh yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. So he ready to cook, man. So shout out to Lorenzo Linger, man. I, I, we said from the, the gate, out the gate, out on this show that we felt good about his uh, his way we're going through just because of uh, a lot of personal issues he had getting closer to home. Miami's a shit show, so we felt yeah. good about him getting out of that situation and getting freed up, and it happened. Um, and I think he's running back two in that room. I wonder if we get some potential spring. I think spring football saved us from some some transfers, right? Because depth chart would have got kind of figured out in the spring. Oh, and, if, and if Linger had passed certain guys, they would have bounced. So I think it saved us on some transfers. But I think, I don't know, I think we still get some transfers after this fall, after the depth, depth chart kind of shake itself out. If it make it all the way through fall, to be honest with you, I think somebody's going to vote, in my opinion. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think that that's always the question that you 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 wonder is how things shake out after the spring when depth charts figure themselves out a bit uh, a bit more who maybe didn't progress you know as much as they thought and, and gets passed and then all of a sudden you know is, is starting to look elsewhere or gets you know encouraged if you will to look elsewhere so you know Florida's going to go in with a completely full roster uh, into this um, into the summer and, and obviously there'll probably be some transfers you know after the summer and everything else you know assuming that everything is. Is, uh, is good and, and normal, which is, you know, a weird word to say right now. But uh, I think Lorenzo Lingard being your 1B, I, I think he supplants Malik Davis and Naquan Wright uh, as, that, uh, as definitely that number two option. Right. Um, there's still no update on Justin Shorter. Um, I don't know how I feel about him getting cleared. I don't know if he'll get cleared. Did we speak about Stuart Reese already? Yeah, we talked about we talked to him last. Yeah, we talked right? about two weeks ago. Yeah, but you can talk about him again if you want. No, I'm cool on it. I don't think he's, he's good, but <laughs> get two shows. You see, you saw what he was uh, squatting the other day. Who Reese? Yeah. No, no, I haven't seen it. I seen Lingard squatting and putting up some big boy weight the other day, but I haven't seen um, Reese at all. Yeah, I'll see if I he can got some great genetics in that family, man. He probably could squat a whole house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else happened. Uh, players are returning to campus next Monday, uh, June 8th, uh, to um, you know to to start you know uh, whatever conditioning and, and working out that they can do on campus. Uh, it's interesting. I was up in Gainesville on Friday. Uh, for part of the day for a meeting, uh, and I was able to to drive through campus a bit. I uh, saw Torian Gray, saw uh, Nick Savage, saw a bunch of those guys uh, walking around. Chatted it up with uh, uh, with a couple a couple of the guys for for a second when I saw them, uh, but did see a couple players walking around. Simon Jones, I believe, walking around. Uh, a couple others. So it seems like they're starting to trickle back into campus as well. But uh, but officially uh, back there, on campus on on June eighth. Is that official? Or is it voluntary? Uh, I think it's voluntary. I think schools are are allowed to be open, uh, but I don't think in this state with COVID-19 and then obviously uh, everything else that's transpired over the last week, I don't think any school is going to require a player to come back. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I I know like right now on the volunteer, a lot of those guys have been up there for a minute, to be honest with you, Dan. but it's gonna be interesting to see. I know Kyle is still down here. I know his dad's a little little appreh- apprehensive about sending him up uh, to Gainesville right now. Let's see, they got something rock solid and in, in place for these kids as far as testing and all that type of stuff. So 
Uh, we'll see who all shows up to the volunteer workouts. Hopefully, we can get some information like behind the scenes from the staff of who showed up, who on campus, who working out, and if anybody's not making it in. If so, we'll update the people. Perfect. And then I guess the last piece of news. Now, we talked about it a few weeks ago when he declared for the NBA draft. Uh, Andrew Nembhard has decided to withdraw from the NBA draft, but he did announce yesterday or on Sunday evening that he is going to be transferring. Uh, so far, Oregon, Duke, Memphis, along with a number of other schools, have reached out for uh, for his services. So, again, Andrew Nembhard. Which offer did he have? Uh I remember Oregon, uh, Duke, Memphis, a few Duke. of the other. Yeah, yeah. Duke, oh, it's two Dukes. No, no, I'm just saying that goes to show like how good he is and how how he's underachieving here. If Duke won, that's that's my vibrations from yeah, it. Then that's that's what, that's what you're getting from it. Yeah, I don't even want to like. It's no, I don't think it's an indictment on him. So I don't want to like. You know what I'm saying? Speak it's, ill. It's, it's like level sometimes to what you know. And I don't want to speak Duke ill on his game because he may go to Duke, Duke and take off. Good. Hey, Dan, Duke produced some great guards, Dan. Nothing against Nemhart, but... They sure do. By the way, I saw an article the other day that uh, J.J. Redick was very close to uh, to visiting Gainesville, and he thought that if he would have come on a campus, he may have committed. Uh, ended up going to Duke the week before, but he would have played with David Lee and then would have been a senior. I believe it was either a junior or a senior the year that those 04s won their first national championship. So what could have been? Unknown secret, bro. J.J. Uh, Redick is one of my favorite college basketball players of all time, bro. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I can't white, white, white boy was wet, bro, and and he was with the shits. Um, had a little attitude about him. Would step over people like he was fucking Iverson. I like JJ Redick a lot. I was Orlando. I'm, I'm Orlando Magic fan as well. So I was about to say, okay. yeah. yeah, the Magic. So that's what big that's JJ Redick fan here. I think but my I think my favorite non-UF basketball player was was Tim Duncan. Quick story. I got grounded when I was like eight years old and I had this TV in my room that barely had cable and had like a turn knob. Uh, it was like a, an old, old TV from my parents' room. But I got grounded and Wake Forest was playing on ABC and that's when Tim Duncan was you know, kind of the star of the ACC there. Uh, but uh, but I got hooked on on him and his play. But but also I loved Wake Forest and the name that their, uh, their mascot was the Demon Deacons. And at eight years old, he had some that it's evil kind of grew up in a church family so uh so tim duncan was probably my all-time favorite college basketball player oh no jj red came my all-time favorite and just clear that up i want to speak, oh, speak oh, to okay, very good. yeah we were about to say hello that's the all-time favorite <laughs> <laughs> we're all-time favorite college basketball player black oh let's see see where your mind at I don't know. I don't even know if I have a favorite all time. But see, I like the guys that like the, the guys like I like Mateen Cleaves. Like that was my guys. Yeah, <laughs> Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like them people beat us, but um, you know, uh, I gotta go back, man. Uh, I like Jay Williams with Duke when he was a guard. There, he was cold. Um, I don't know, man. I don't. I can't. I can't say that I can single handedly just. I'm, I, I just like him because he. Because what you said, uh, so I just like the dog in him. Like you yeah, know Steph Curry. Steph Curry's up there for me too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Man, his college. Yeah, yeah that shit right. was that shit was an amazing run for him now, and like when he came on the scene. So now, all right, I'm gonna bring this up because I, you know, had this discussion the other day. What did Seth? Did Seth Curry belong at Duke, or did he get there? Because yeah. I think he was a good college player, though. Yeah, I think he was. Because he what, started at Liberty and then transferred to Duke, or was it vice versa? I think, I think no, he started right. at Liberty, then transferred to Duke, right? Right. 
I think I think that he was good. I think you know he he deserved that spot at Duke. I mean, he held his own when he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't as good as his brother, obviously, but you know, I think Steph Curry was also a different player that blossomed. He's the Eli Manning of that family. Steph is Eli. Yeah, hey, and that's okay, you know. Hey, Eli got two Super Bowls, so you know that's right. Well, not to that degree. He ain't got no ring, but you, you give it a talent, talent-wise, there's a drop-off. Good, good, but but not, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Right, boys, we, got, we, got a, we got a big show, so let's uh, let's keep it moving. We got Carlos Alvarez, Chad Jackson, and mm. Torian Gray this week. Um, that's, man. That's that, that's that flat. So – the, so Carlos Alvarez is is a guy that uh, was absolutely incredible during his time at uh, UF. And we're going to chat with him a little bit more. Uh, but the Cuban Comet was his name. So uh, his interview is going to be sponsored by our friends over uh, with Roof Soldier. Give them a call one eight seven seven Roofs F L again one eight seven seven Roofs L. Uh, Veteran owned company that's going to specialize in all your residential and commercial uh, roof replacements and repairs. So whether if you need an inspection, a replacement, or repair, whatever it might be, give our friends over at Roof Soldier uh, a call again one eight seven seven Roofs F L RoofSoldier dot com. Any experience with leaks, damage, uh, or just have your roof inspected right before we get into hurricane season here. Um, they're giving two hundred dollars off to the first ten callers uh, that contact Roof Soldier for a free inspection and mention Stadium and Gale. Again, $200 off a roof replacement uh, once you enter into a contract. So one eight seven seven roofs fl or RoofSoldier.com. Let's get Carlos Alvarez on the line. That's right. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium Gale is a Florida Gator legend, uh, member of the University of Florida Athletic Hall of Fame, first team All-SEC, first team All-American, uh, an all-around great guy, uh, former wide receiver, Carlos Alvarez. Carlos, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Given these times, I would say I'm still doing great. Well, we appreciate your your time coming on uh, c- coming on the show today. Uh, Carlos, normally we, we ask everybody the first question is, how did they end up at the University of Florida? But Carlos, you have a fascinating story before that. Uh, talk to us about how you ended up in the state of Florida. Well, I was born in Cuba. Uh, never heard of football. Um, never even thought of playing football. Uh, I always played sports, and but uh, my love was baseball. And I uh, got here in 1960, uh, a year and a half after Castro I came into Cuba. My dad had gone to law school with Fidel Castro and wasn't like friends with him, but knew all about him. And as soon as he came into power, he said, we're leaving. And it took him about a year and a half to convince my mom. And I'm making that story very short. Um, We left, we went to, uh, we got to Miami. My dad said to all of us, I have two brothers and a, and, a, and a younger sister, two older brothers and a younger sister. We're never going back, no matter if Castro falls the next day. So become Americans. And so that started my track into becoming an American. Luckily, I moved into North Miami. Uh, every, all the Cubans were moving into South Miami, but my dad was convinced that we needed to become Americans went to a school that nobody spoke Spanish. It was a lot different back there in 1960. Moved to a boys club, moved to a neighborhood that within 10 blocks, there was a boys club. Now they're called boys and girls clubs. Mm -hmm. And it just happened 
that we were there and started playing sports. And uh, I played baseball first and then basketball and then football came around and I didn't play, but all my friends were playing, all my American friends. At that point, I was still trying to learn English and I decided to go out and play. And from day one, um, I really loved this sport. But the way I looked at at football, it was my way to become an American. And wow. so, hmm. um, really, it was my it was oh. the way that uh, you know my accent didn't matter. Uh, the fact that my parents had funny names, you know, uh, Hispanic names, didn't matter. It just it just didn't matter. You you were an American. In fact. I, my first team was at 95 pound and under, <laughs> you know, Pee Wee League. Yeah. And uh, the first game, before the first game, I was so nervous. I slept with my uniform on, <laughs> except for my helmet. I felt so excited about it. <laughs> it's like the little giants. Yeah, I used to do that all the time, actually. <laughs> Ahmad did that before the national championship. I used yeah, to do that before the first day of school. That was my thing for the first day of yeah. school. Sleep in my fit real quick. Yeah, I, yeah okay. I see. I see. So, so, anyway, it, it developed. And by the way, I ended up being the quarterback, believe it or not, just because I did have some speed. And, you know, at 95 pounds and under, you're not going to throw it 70 yards. And so um, I, um, you know, in the first game, we just killed the other team. And I thought, this is unbelievable. You know, in, in fact, <laughs> my first touchdown is, was a sweep around the end. You can imagine I get the ball to quarterback. We all sweep to the right. And I just break loose because uh, really nobody was near me. And I go running, and it was uh, the opposing team's field. And I didn't know where to stop. I, you know, I kept running, and I finally ended up stopping at a chain link fence and touching the football to it because – I didn't know where the end zone was. <laughs> I just kept running. So uh, from then on, um, from then on, it just got uh, you know. I just loved. I loved it more and more, and and uh, and uh, it, it really paid a lot of dividends for me as I was growing up. When you go, when you start, you started playing football. You're new to the states. What do you when you tell your family back in Cuba you're playing football? What's their reaction? Well. Uh, you know, my family, little by little, moved here, little little by little, in terms of, you know, uncles and aunts and cousins and stuff like that. But they really didn't get it. They they didn't get my playing football. My dad got it a little bit, but he didn't get it. He was just happy that I was happy. And my brothers were playing football, too. Um, and um, But they they really didn't get it. It wasn't until my sophomore year at Florida where I had a really, really good year. Um, and, uh, you know, where I think you guys may or may not know, I developed the nickname of the Cuban Comet, which is yep. kind of interesting because the whole idea was to become an American by playing football. And then I get the nickname the Cuban Comet, which is what was fine <laughs> with me. I, and and I, I, love, I love the nickname, but I love the, the irony of it, you know, yeah, because right, by, that point, right. you know, by that point, you kind of grow up and you, you're, right. you know, I'm fairly, I'm, I'm happy in my skin being Cuban. I'm happy in my skin being American. It didn't yeah. matter. And I love the nickname. And so, um, it, because there's another little bit of a history behind that nickname that I, I'll tell you if you guys want a little bit later on, but, but it was going down to Miami and playing the hurricanes in the orange bowl where I had gotten a lot of publicity that year. 
and Miami used to draw around 35,000 people to the games uh, oh, at the Orange many, Bowl. Huh? Yeah, I believe it or not, back then. <laughs> and that, that game drew over 70,000. And most oh, wow. of those additional ones were Cubans. It was the first time that a Cuban had really played football and gotten yeah. a name for himself. And, and uh, so everybody got brought the city out, huh? Yeah, yeah, it did. And it was a lot of fun. It had, it had all kinds of sign waving, and I mean, it was it was superb. And you know, and really, as a credit to the coaches that I had, my sophomore year, which you know, the the the, the Ray Graves era, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the guys that coached Spurrier and all of that, um, the Fred Pankos, who was the offensive coordinator, you know, just superb game plans that they put together that year. They knew it was me going down to Miami. They knew how big it was for the Cuban community. Mm-hmm. And they put a game plan together to make me look good. And, uh, uh, you know, 15, ca- 15 catches make you look good. Um, and so um, I, I was always, always have been appreciative of what they did for me in that game and what they did for me really while I was in Florida. But especially that game that they saw the, they saw the significance of that game to the Cuban community that it was for us to be seen as Americans too. And, um, and, and they came through. I love it. So, uh, Carlos, in, be, in between those two stories, uh, you know, you playing uh, peewee, you playing high school, uh, you were recruited by Florida, but you're also recruited by Miami and a host of other schools. How'd you ultimately decide to end up uh, in Gainesville and, and at the University of Florida? Um. I was recruited. I had some great recruiting stories because, again, I'm Cuban and I didn't understand American college life. <laughs> and the first one at Vanderbilt, they got, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they went out. I mean, they, they took me with a bunch of the varsity guys in a, in a car on a Saturday night. They had played Alabama that day and they took me out. And, and uh, the first thing they asked me was, what beer do you like to drink? Well, I didn't drink beer. I didn't know, but you know, peer pressure, yeah. I'm not going to tell all these guys, you know, and I said, I kept thinking that there was this commercial that said Miller high life, the champagne of bottled beer. And that must be the best beer. And so I, 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 I said, the same thing when I, I first started drinking. That's hilarious. There, there you go. There you go. I mean, you I was bragging about it. Like telling people, telling my boy, champagne, the beer is right here, bro. <laughs> Right. No. So, uh, and oh my God, you know, I, I drank the first one and of course I'm already over the top and they're like in their, you know, third or fourth and I'm drinking like, you know, I ended up drinking about three and I was just like sick. Uh, it was pretty funny, but I had two brothers that came to Florida and that they're older brothers. And one of them was already at Florida. One was going to go to Florida. And I just thought, uh, and, and I, you know, it was just after Steve Spurrier had been in Florida and the publicity that he had gotten as a Heisman Trophy winner passing. So I was in high school, I was a running back. I was not a wide receiver. I was a running back and just like Ahmad, I was a, a fierce defensive back, but I was a running back. Um, and, um, but I, but I asked Florida that my recruiter, if they would give me, all I wanted was one, a chance to be a wide receiver, that they would give me a legitimate chance to be a wide receiver. And they said they would. And with that, uh, and, um, you know, the Spurrier era just finishing, I just thought, and my brother's being there, I thought Florida was the right place. I will tell you, when I went to University of Miami, the head coach had a gator hanging with a, 
I mean, he would, uh, you know, hanging through by a rope, you know, um, in his office. And when I walked in, it turned my stomach. And I thought, I think that's a clear sign <laughs> that I want to be a gator. So uh, that was another another key moment that in my uh, in my recruiting. And so, you know, that's how I ended up. Uh, that's how I ended up in Florida. And luckily, just by luck, I was gifted one of the best quarterbacks that Florida has ever seen. Certainly, the best quarterback Florida had seen until that point in time in terms of passing. And that was John Reeves. And, uh, you know, at the end of his career, he, bro- he broke the NCAA uh, yardage record. And, um, you know, you know a, a wide receiver needs a quarterback. And he was superb. And him and I uh, really connected with each other our years at Florida. Hey, Carlos, it's Ahmad. Uh, so quick question, a little bit funny. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me. Uh, I also used to play offense, right? And, you know, uh-huh. I wasn't the fastest, but, you know, it seems like I know how to get to the end zone somehow, some way. Um, but, you know, I, I always, you know, play offense and defense. Well, the deciding factor was I went to a football camp one time and I was playing wide receiver. And um, I came off the line and went for a deep pass where the ball got underthrown. And as I stopped to catch the ball, somehow, some way, the linebacker was just like turning and running full speed. But as soon as I caught it, it hit me so hard and it's just like, like my chest strap came unbuckled, like <laughs> I kind of like threw up a little bit, but not all the way off. And you know, I was like, "Man, I would much rather hit people than than have people hit me." <laughs> have you ever thought about playing defense or or, or or being back at defensive back or something like that? I know you thought about making that game with an interception and running back for touchdown. Oh gosh, Ahmad, you speak just like a defensive back. Really. <laughs> 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 I mean, the love of you guys is nailing us. Um, you know, and when I when I played, they didn't have, you know, any of the rules nowadays, you know. It was, you were taught to go to the head, you know, and I, I lost two teeth uh, against North Carolina my sophomore year. Ooh. I mean, I just got blasted down the sidelines. And, you know, but it was it really, um, it, in high school, I did play defensive back, and I really liked it. I really liked it because right. I seem to have an eye for the ball. You know, I seem to like where the ball was. I'm, I'm heading yeah, towards for it. Sure, for I, sure. and there, there's a, and you, you know, this, there is a, it's almost something you can't teach. It's something that it's almost like there's an attraction to it. And I, yeah. and I, and, and I seem to do that fairly well as a defensive back. And I did, I, I like to hit people. I, I really did. And, um, so, um, but I, but I really, I love the art of catching a football. And uh, back then I really studied it. I, I, I love the art of it, but I learned to stay away from crazy safeties and crazy linebackers. I'll tell you a, a story that the first time we scrimmaged the varsity, when I was a freshman, we, I did a, 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 a quick stop back then. That was a, a three, you know, just three steps stop. John throws me the ball. And, you know, then I try to make something out of it. Right, well, right. I catch the ball. I catch the ball. I'm, you know, I'm obviously split. I catch the ball. I fake to the, I fake to the outside, to the, to the sidelines, and I go inside. Well, the, the, the outside linebacker was running full speed, as you can imagine, to the outside, and I got my head handed to me. That was a big lesson. 
every from that <laughs> day on. But yeah, I would fake everywhere, but I was going outside. <laughs> going inside. You know, I want you to go, I'm going inside, but I'm not going I'm not going there because I learned really, you know, how the safeties come I come down in certain formations, how the inside linebackers come out in certain formations and you learn to survive, really, to survive because, you know, you guys are deadly. Uh, you really are, and and you should be. It's That's part of the game. I got you. I got you. So talk yeah. a little bit about, uh, you know, we've all been to, to, you know, a Saturday night game in a swamp, um, you know, here recently or, you know, within the past couple of years. But, you know, for the for the people who don't know, tell us what the swamp technically well, it was. It wasn't the swamp yet. So tell us what what uh, what the stadium was like on 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 a game day, on like a yeah. uh, night game or, or, or a great Saturday afternoon. Well, it was uh, it was magical, like like it is today. Obviously, not as big, um, but it was always magical. And to me, as a player, what was magical, and I remember the the first game uh, we we played against uh, the first game I played at Florida Field was against Houston and Houston had one of the top ranked teams, actually ranked number one by several uh, services uh, that year. Uh, but what was, so, so the stadium was almost full because they thought they were going to, I mean, people thought that we were going to get blown out. We ultimately won that game, but when, when, when you, uh, when you go out and warm up and then you come back, and then when you're waiting to go out on the field to start the game and they say, here come the Gators, that moment in my life, I will never forget. That's intense, that right? Such, such, a, such a special moment. I was flying. I mean, I, you know, you think, I mean, I was literally flying. Uh, really, my feet were not touching the ground. It's like I was lying. ready to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's, it's super adrenaline. You know, um, so, and, and I don't know how to describe that because I never had that. I never, I mean, in high school, I would get excited, you know, and all that, but that coming in for that crowd, you know, the noise, the band, and here come the Gators. I mean, it, it is so special. And I think, Amani, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's still special today when that oh, happens, awesome. when you come in at that first go around. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. For our throwback yeah. fans that are like Carlos Alvarez fans that want to like reminisce a little bit, what was the vibes like post win in Gainesville back then? After what was the win, bar? <laughs> yeah, what was the bar? What was the vibes? Um, did you have kids on recruiting trips giving them beer? Like, I need to know all the info like that. <laughs> yeah, well, your limitations is you, you, you snitched on the Vanderbilt guys, so I want to get, I want to see what you was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, my those were hippie days, you know. <laughs> oh, got you, got you, got you. No, I, I got, I got. Um, you know, it was, it was. I was not a fraternity guy. You know, to me, my my fraternity were my football brothers. You know, so uh, and and um, but we would have, uh, you know, really there wasn't like a lot of partying. You know, except for a lot of the players belong to a fraternity it would go to the fraternities would have these parties and sometimes i would attend a fraternity party but generally i would just go out with friends and do you know go to a, a private house because you know we we weren't 21 and yeah we'd sneak a beer or two kind of a thing i finally learned to to drink uh, some of it 
um, <laughs> to be uh, sociable. And then, yeah, I kind of liked that after a while. Uh, but, um, but it was uh, what we had, <laughs> to tell you the truth, is we had some great parties, especially after spring practice was over. We used to have, oh, that's, we used that's to, that's parties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it was like crazy parties, you know, it's like going to a, either we rented a bar or something and just go crazy. We had uh, crazy things happen and uh, we really did have a lot of fun. But what was different b- between what I, what we were doing, what you guys are doing is you guys are doing it in a fishbowl with, with social media. Right. right, right. And he, you know, when you guys do it, somebody's going to take the picture and you're going to be at Twitter and all of this stuff. When we did it, nobody said anything about it. You know, nobody knew what the hell we were doing. I, you know, and we weren't like, you know, you know, being badasses and breaking law all over the place. But, you know, we we're taking some advantages, but nobody, nobody spoke about it. And there was no social media. So it was kept within the team. And, um, you know, done pretty well. And, and, you know, it got things like that can get a team closer together when you party together and have fun together. So long as it's not abused, you know, and abuse is, you know, like getting into stupid fights or doing something stupid like that. When, when, when that does tear the team apart here, no, it was just the team members having fun, you know, and, and with dates. And, and uh, so, yeah, there was some wild time, especially after spring practice was over. You help uh, recruit Ralph Ortega to UF, uh, another Cuban guy. What was your relationship like with him? Well, Ralph and I were, uh, yeah, you're right. He was Cuban, and uh, but he's one of those guys I dislike. They're linebackers. I just <laughs> couldn't get my hand. <laughs> it's just uh, they're tough to deal with. Uh, Ralph was a great guy. I, I took him out to dinner when he came to Florida when he was being recruited. Frankly, we had a coaching change by then, and we had a much more defensive-oriented team. And I, and I told him that I thought, and I told him I, I thought if he was an offensive guy, I would question whether coming to Florida would be the right thing for him. But as a defensive guy, I told him I thought Florida would be the right place for him uh, because the defense was really being emphasized. And um, and he did. He was a super nice guy. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I'm trying to think, but I don't know Ralph's history in terms of how he came about to playing football because there's not a lot of Cubans that ultimately have played a lot of football. Right. Um, but, uh, but he was uh, extremely tough and extremely well-liked as a player at Florida. Um, I'm, I'm always, I'm a numbers guy. So I was always, my mom gave us a real great story on how he got the ugly number 35. You were 45. <laughs> yeah. Any reason behind it, or you 40, just like the number? Four, no, no, forty-five. Gosh, I cannot believe I just I I cannot remember his name. Forty-five was the number. Um, was the number, and I believe his name was Homer Jones who was a wide receiver for the New York Giants, um, a, uh, an African-American, uh, tall, um, and uh, he was a wide receiver for the New York Giants. And, and watching him, I love what he did because basically he was a, you know, 
a, a streak route kind of a receiver. You know, he would just, he had extra speed and I just always saw him down the sidelines catching and going in and, and just doing these great uh, long catches. And Homer Jones was number 45. And so I thought, that's the number I want. And uh, so that's the number I got, although they gave me some choices. And you, this you may find interesting. At the time, Norm Carson was a sports information director at Florida. Okay. And he was, you know, he was the guy who obviously was going to get you the publicity. And so when you were moving up, freshmen couldn't play back then. When you were moving up to varsity, depending on the numbers that were available, if you had the potential to really star in the football field, he would give you either a number that was a double number, 22, 33, 44, or a number that ended in a five, 25, 45. I don't know. He just thought that those numbers attracted more attention. Back then, we didn't have that single digit number. Um, I mean, we did, but only like a quarterback would wear it, you know, uh, and, right. and wide receivers didn't get to do that. Uh, so that's how I got to be, uh, that's how I got to be number 45. And I always loved that number. And I don't want to get political, but <laughs> but given the number the forty five has connoted in terms of the presidency, it has saddened me to no end. I it really I has saddened me. But I don't I don't want to go beyond that. Yeah. This is not about that. This is yeah, about this is about you know sports. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to find any disagreement here, um, Carlos. Okay. I want to I want to talk to you about rivalries. Uh, obviously, things were were probably a little bit different then than they are now. Uh, you know, right now it's really you know probably Georgia, LSU right now, and then and then Florida State that are, are Florida's top rivals. When you were in school there, who were some of your favorite rivalry games, or what? Who who did you think is your your top rival? I I I think without a doubt. Um, state and i and i think if you ask people like in that era the that's the steve spurriers or you know some of my teammates they would say it's it's florida state because remember that started that rivalry started in the 60s and florida was required right. to play fsu didn't want to play fsu and there's that history and that was early on and and fsu always wanted to i mean that was their game they wanted to be florida and um so what I learned, I didn't know that much about the rivalry when I got to Florida. So as a freshman, we of course played the other team's offense as a freshman offense that week of the game against the varsity. So I got to, I got to be Ron Sellers, who was a great FSU wide receiver when, when the, in, in 1968, when, when the varsity was getting ready to play FSU, that was the hardest week of practice for me that I ever had at Florida. I mean, I got beat up just terribly by the varsity and I learned that week what the Florida FSU rivalry was all about. And so that was passed on by the varsity guys to us. And we think passed it down to everybody else during that era. And, uh, we never lost to FSU, which was really nice. In fact, we we're part of the longest winning streak against FSU. And I, and I think that that was part of it because it meant to meant so much to us. Now, second to that, second to that is certainly Georgia uh, back at the time, and probably third was probably Auburn, and uh, fourth I would say the Hurricanes. Um, and but I think I would put FSU. And 
person. Of course, Georgia has its own tradition over the years, and it's always Georgia's always ranked, I think, one or two against Florida in terms of you know whoever whoever's you know whoever whatever decade you're playing, it's it's usually one or two because of you know the the uh, the fact that uh, you know it's played in Jacksonville and such a such a special game. Hey Carlos, um, or Mr. Avarez, you be respectful. Carlos is a lot better. Oh, okay, <laughs> I showed it to Los in a second, man. I'm getting comfortable here. Um, you went, you didn't go to the NFL. You went into uh, law school right after college. What went, what went um, behind that whole decision? Like, what was the story for the well, average friend um, that don't know you? I got uh, for for some. I think I know the reason, but just all of a sudden, uh, before my junior year, my right knee started to swell anytime I worked out. So it was fine while I was working out, but then afterwards it would swell. I mean, it would swell big time. And it just started one day when I was running track because I ran track at Florida too. And after running track, all of a sudden my legs swelled up and I thought that's eh, nothing, you know, some tweak or something like that. But what I didn't know, to make a long story very short, and uh, it took about six months to figure this out. In fact, they sent me, Florida sent me to the Auburn team doctor, Dr. Houston of the Houston Clinic. You guys may be familiar with the Houston Clinic. That was the, how the name got there. The, the, the guy who mm-hmm. was actually a Dr. Houston, the first Dr. Houston, who uh, really a wonderful doctor. And he figured out that what I had done is when I was playing high school basketball, I had an injury that I told him about, and he showed me where it had really nicked my, basically the lining of my knee, and that I had developed a, a kind of an arthritic condition. And so, um, so anytime I ran, I really exerted my knee, it would swell up. So I could do a full practice, but I would have to take a day off in order to uh, practice again. So I played my junior year that way. And then afterwards we, I went through an operation that was ne- had never been done in Florida to see if they could correct that. And it didn't, it made it worse. And so I played my, my senior year really with a really getting, um, cortisone shots every game in order to play, uh, on my right knee. And by the end of the year, I had to have two operations by that point, I had even hurt my other knee because I had, I had so I had uh, favored it so much, and I didn't at, at that point because by that point I'm three knee operations in, and um, but Dallas drafted me, and and they knew exactly what was happening, and they told me no, we want you to go to law school, but after one year, you know, see if you want to play for us, and if you, you know, ran the the you know ran the way I ran when I was a sophomore, you know, they gave me a contract package and I would say, yeah, it gave me a hell of an incentive. So that year I, I did go to law school. I went to Duke and I worked out, I mean, so religiously and so hard that whole year because I wanted to play so bad. Uh, but really by the end of that year, my knee started to swell again. And, um, uh, there was just no way, you know, Ahmad, you know, you're not, you're, you're not a, a huge guy. I'm not a huge guy. You know, I'm five eleven, and, uh, without speed, um, I, you know, I don't belong in the NFL. And, uh, right. 
So I never, I never tried to go there, especially because I always thought that my, one of my advantages was that I, I had gotten the working out routine, the weights, the speed, all of that. I had gotten into it way before anybody had realized that that's the thing you needed to do to, to really make an impact. And, um, if I wasn't going to get, have that advantage, I really couldn't go there. So it was really hard. Um, I, I'm sure it was for you when, when you stopped playing, it was extremely hard, but you know, I, we, I did win the uh, flag football, um, uh, uh <laughs> league in law school for three years, no, realized very good. law school students, law school students suck at being defensive backs <laughs> uh, and they're not like Auburn. So, no, uh, them off, huh? Yeah, so it was pretty easy to. to I can imagine what the first game. Did, did you check any games like Cameron Indoor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. It was re- it's really a fabulous place. I mean, it's still pretty much the same. My goodness, there's an atmosphere in there. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's that was a, that was a lot of fun to do. I love it. Well, Carlos, we really appreciate you uh, coming on to the show today. Uh, why don't you wrap up? What, what are you up to these days? Um, I know, but but for the uh, for the listeners, why don't you tell them what you're up to these days? And uh, and then if anybody can find you on social media or if you do any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, I am attorney, um, and for many years I litigated in the environmental and land use area. Kind of. Uh, uh, That's kind why of you a live niche. in Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started practicing in Jacksonville, but I moved here. I taught, I taught law school at SMU and, uh, actually I've taught a little bit of Florida just as, uh, just, uh, a little bit on a couple of classes that I, that, uh, they got me to teach there at university of Florida law school. But, um, I, uh, um, I moved to Tallahassee because there's a lot of legal work here and I love living in a, I love being living in the country. I really do living outside. So I, that's why I love here. And since I never lost to FSU, period, mm. and I'm part of the largest winning streak, oh, nobody oh, can give man. me sh- any hassles here. Well, you walk around here with the chess out, huh? I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, push, I, I push people to the limit here every time they go, ah, I go and I, I give them a little story. So, in fact, Dan Mullen and I, neither one of us have ever lost to FSU, uh, which is a really good record to keep. And so I practiced that uh, litigation for many, many years. And then I decided that I would change my, I would leave my law firm and everything in the latter part of my career and devote myself to collaborative work, which means settling cases, doing mediations and teaching people how to be collaborative and working with each other to solve problems. And uh, even to this day, I I do some of that work. And and, uh, in fact, I've done some, a, a, a number of cases in Gainesville and uh, really, really enjoy, uh, enjoy doing that. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. And I, I live out in my, it's a farm, but I don't, I don't really farm. I have tractors that I play with, you know, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, what's funny is when people talk about uh, yeah, being, you know, play with uh, tractors. What? I know. Be, yeah, well, flex flex on us, bro. Flex on us, bro. You buy a tractor <laughs> to play real quick. You know, yeah, I drink I get my life together, man. Are you still yeah. drinking high life? Hey, look, hey, look. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. The quarantine was so boring. I, if I had some money, I'd damn sure go buy me a tractor. I ain't gonna lie to you. But listen how we how we went from, we hanging out now. We went from, oh, Vanderbilt guys drink to 
Yeah, I'll drink me a beer and out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out now. Came, came full circle, huh? Yeah, he's hanging hey, out now. It's been a wonderful life. <laughs> I hear you, man. That's what it's it all been, about. Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I am so full of gratitude. And one of the things that you, that, that I so love, is the fact that I have so many close friends that, that were my teammates. And man, those last forever. And I am so happy. It's almost like, and Ahmad, I'm sure you're seeing this, even though obviously you're a heck of a lot younger than I am. But you see that when you meet up with these guys, you're there. You're, it's like you never left. You know, right, they're, right. they really are your, your brothers. And sure. uh, so that, that's been a blessing in my life. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, we'll have to get you on in the future, and we can, uh, you and I privately can share stories about Dave Micah. <laughs> okay. We can do I love that. it. Carlos, thank <laughs> you so here. much for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Gators. Thank you, guys. Bye, yeah, man. definitely. Go Gators. Go Gators. Take care. Bye bye. Carlos Alvarez, great guy. All time uh, leader in UF receiving yards, I believe. Still. Yeah. 40, 50 years later. So. He the yards leader? Yeah. 2,500. He averaged 133 yards, I think, a game his, uh, his junior year, which has only ever been done one more time. Dude, he was a goat. Yeah, he hoop. He definitely hoop. So. Interesting story, man. Um, yeah. Um, I, the think, whole- I think what's so interesting is how dudes get like football numbers. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's usually like one of your favorite players. Behind it, bro. I swear it is. Because when I got to Tampa, all right, so I'm going to get my equipment, right? And I, I think I had to go get something changed. And I didn't know what number I was going to be at the time. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm gonna be a surprise. So I, I look at it was like this piece of paper that was by the equipment room, and it had everybody like who just got drafted, you know, and, and new to the team. The numbers were, and I'm seeing a lot of names, but except mine, my shit was towards the to the bottom. I'm like, what's going on? And then I see 43. I'm like, I thought I couldn't get no worse than 35. Y'all boys hit me with 43. And you know how I am. I'm like, all right. Well, 43 might be the ugliest number. I'm gonna say 37 <laughs> or 43. <laughs> it's pretty ugly. Not gonna lie. 43 is ugly. but I made 43 look cold though. Just don't. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did. I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. I did, bro. A little bit. A little bit. Oh, bro. Nah. It's an ugly number. Nah, I just, I my son found your one. picture online. My, my son found your picture online. He asked why you was wearing that number. Uh, don't, don't judge my life like that, bro. You know what I'm saying? He don't know what I was going through at the time, man. <laughs> he also seen you by this big old lineman. He was like, my mom's no. so little. <laughs> Uh, Silk called me one night there and was like, his son was just asking just crazy questions. I'm like, well, what are you asking? He like, bro, he just Googled you and wanted to know why the dude was so big that you was playing against. <laughs> I'm like, either hey, hey, he was super big or he first, when he, Hold on, when he first Googled Ahmad, he thought Ahmad transferred schools, bro. Because he didn't know like the NFL. So he was like, why did Ahmad play for this team? I thought he was the Gators. I was like, yeah, bro, he's the NFL. Okay. And then you start questioning about the numbers. So kids are Googling. You got to watch the kids and devices. What, what we got next, Dan? That's why I chose not to play in the NFL. I think we got Chad Jackson up next, boys. 
Guest of the week is brought to you by Brun Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, hit my man Greg up. 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies, home, auto, life, financial services. My man Greg, Greg going to take care of you, man. Great guy, uh, part of the family. 954-589-2204. Big coverage. Greg, what it do? You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is former Florida Gator wide receiver Chad Jackson. Chad, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, fellas. How y'all doing? Good, good. Uh, Chad, talk to us. You're from Alabama. Uh, played at uh, Powerhouse Hoover High School there in Birmingham. How'd you end up uh, at the University of Florida? Um, you know what, man? Watching watching football and playing football, you know, growing up in Alabama, man, you know, everybody wants to go to Alabama, Auburn. And uh, I took a couple of visits there and I just, you know, they were good schools, you know, to be honest with you, but I just, I just felt like they weren't the schools that I wanted to go to. I wanted to attend. I just felt like they weren't the schools that were right for me. And uh, watching Florida on, on TV, you know, Steve Spurrier and, you know, the atmosphere and, you know, just being a Gator, I just fell in love with it. And, I just wanted to get out of the state. I didn't want to stay home to play football. I wanted to get out of the state and just experience, you know, life and everything. So that's what kind of made me follow my decision to go to the University of Florida. How hard was that growing up in Alabama? I mean, I know Alabama isn't the powerhouse they are today, but obviously huge brand there in the state of Alabama. How tough was that? Uh, was there a lot of hometown pressure to stay uh, and either go to Alabama or Auburn, or, or were they pretty happy that you uh, made your decision and were supportive of you? Oh man, they hated me for making that decision. They, uh, <laughs> they actually they actually printed an article on it. Um, I can't remember what it was, but you probably could pull it up later on, man. But they talked bad about me when I didn't choose, especially when I didn't choose Alabama. And when I did take my visit to Auburn, um, I left early on my visit, and they talked, you know, trash about me then. So when I made the decision to go to Florida, they talked real bad about me. You know, like I said, being in Alabama, it's either Auburn or Alabama, you got to go to one or the other, mostly Alabama. But like I said, once I made the decision to leave the state, it was just, it was hell to pay after that. So, Chad, you end up coming to uh, to Florida, playing under uh, Ron Zook and then Urban Meyer. Um, obviously, you were recruited by Ron Zook uh, in that staff over there. Talk to us a little bit about kind of your transition from high school uh, into college. And uh, I guess what was the biggest surprise for you when you came on campus? Um, I think just the the uh, I guess, like I said, the atmosphere, the the uh, the standards that Florida had, you know. They were a winning football program, and uh, if you weren't winning, then, you know, you were out of there. And, you know, coming from a powerhouse uh, high school, coming from the uh, Hoover, um, it was kind of a uh, – not a big transition, but a slight transition. But, I, you know, I adapted well. well. The first year I struggled a little bit. I kind of wanted to go come back home, and, you know, I felt like it wasn't for me. But, like, after a while, I kind of adapted everything, and, you know, things took off from there. Uh, Chad, it's Ahmad Black. So, I, you know, we spoke on, my sh- on our show uh, um, a few times about my freshman year and whatnot, and we had former players come on that I played with, you know, when we was at UF, to talk about, you know, yeah. how rigorous my freshman year was. Um, and it's usually like that for a lot of freshmen. Um, elaborate a little bit on that, man, and, you know, you know, for the average listeners who don't know, 
sometimes what it's like, you know, how much pressure is on a, a young high school guy to come to college, um, majority of the time in a different city that he's from. Talk about what type of things you had to get adapted to um, when you came to Florida. Um, so, you know, being a five-star receiver coming out of Alabama, you know, everybody's expecting a lot from me. And, and uh, you, other, you had other five-star, you know, athletes come to the University of Florida as well. And, you know, also you also have, you know, the older guys when you get there, the juniors and the seniors. And when I got to the University of Florida, I just knew, hey, right, I'm going to come here and tear it up. You know, I'm, it's no big deal. It's, you know, football is what you do. Go out there and do what you do. Right. But, you know, I didn't think about that, you know, the juniors and the seniors, especially the seniors, man, you know, they got to go get theirs. And mm-hmm. they're trying to, you know, make it, they're trying to make it to the next level. So it's kind of a learning experience as a freshman. You kind of have to sit back and just, you know, learn and just, you know, hey, you know what, when, when your time comes, time comes, you got to do what you got to do, and, you know, go from there. But like I said, coming in as a freshman, man, it was, it was, it was difficult. Because like I said, you want to get out, you want to get out there, you want to, play and you want to get out there and uh you know help the team and everything like that and do what you do best but like i said it's that was the biggest adjustment for me man just kind of not getting in the game as asap and kind of waiting my turn so okay and, and that's how it usually is you know guys come from high school and they be um you know the top players in, the, in their team and top players in the county and whatnot or, um and they get to college yeah. and meet guys that's you know somewhat on the same level as them for the first time probably ever you know, because for the know, first time, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'd be really good, and you know, a little league, and you know, work your way up to high school, and, and now you're the man. So, um, talk about uh, when you first came on the scene as you know, hey, this is my this is my going, coming out party. Uh, what game was that, and, and uh, you know, what type of plays you made that game? My actually coming out party was the my freshman year, but the following year, my sophomore year, that spring, that spring, uh, the spring training. Um, I think I just I don't know what happened. A light switch turned on, and I just you know I, I had it. I was making plays. I was moving up, you know, from the uh, like the third string to starter, and it just I think yeah. that spring ball, my sophomore year, man, that's when I kind of really you know said turn that light switch on to open things up. Because like I said, I saw everything that just sent back as a freshman and learning everything, and and um, like I said, that's that's how I really got got to where I am today or where I was. I talk about, you know, uh, we had Carlos Alvarez talk about it earlier, um, and I can kind of relate relate to him a little bit. Um, I talk about how it was for the first time when you ran out of the tunnel and, and you hear, heard, here comes the Gators. Um, and we both agree <laughs> that it's, a, it's an inexplainable fit. Like, you can't explain it. So, uh, you know, talk about the first time when you ran out of the tunnel um, for your first game. Um, you know, first time I ran out of the tunnel, I wasn't really excited because we played like an 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock game. But it was still a, a lot of people there, you know. The atmosphere was great and everything. But um, I think it was when we played when LSU came to LSU came to us, and we had on our blue jerseys, and it was a night game. And when I came out that tunnel, man, oh my goodness! Like the the crowd, the the band, everything, man, and a hundred thousand people screaming. So. Like I said, that night game when LSU came to Florida, man, that was that's when I was really like, yeah, I'm, I made the right decision to come on to the University of Florida. Okay. okay. Chad, how's it going, man? So, what was your relationship like with Chris Lee? What kind of guy was he in the locker room, man? <laughs> Chris Lee, he was a funny guy, man. He was. 
he was one of the best quarterbacks I played with. But off the field, he's one of the funniest guys. He's like he's like the uh, one of those players that you'd have on the team as you like. You know, he don't go out. He don't do nothing. But the stuff that he does, man, is just like Chris. Why do you do that, man? You you know. Just it's but the relationship between me and him is it was it was good, man. You know, we were roommates for a while. He was always studying, he was always, you know, trying to teach us, especially the Robert Series, man. He was always trying to get on the same um same page with us. So and uh it was a relationship between him, man, it was great, man. He's he's a great guy. Good we're going to the greatest quarterback the quarterbacks I played with. Now, um, I asked you about your favorite game in the swamp. I got to ask you, what was it like carrying my man Ron Zook off the field <laughs> at Florida State? That Florida State game, man, I think that was his, his going away party, man. That was, a, that was a big win that we had for him. And, um, you know, we, me and Ron Zook, we never had the best relationship. When I first got there, everything was, you know, mediocre. Like I said, then my sophomore year, I started to kind of, you know, make a name for myself. But we, for some reason, me and him would always bump heads about, like, small stuff. And it was just – it killed me. But um, – and when we found out that they were going to get rid of him and everything, man, I, you know, you don't never want to see, a, you know, somebody leave or, you know, somebody that you, you know, been around for that long – for that long hell. He recruited me, man, so I had to have some respect for him. But uh, right. that Florida State game, you know, when we carried him out, man, I felt like, you know, we did, we had that win for him. Because he didn't – like I said, he didn't even uh, coach in the um, – the bowl game that year, they had got rid of him before the bowl game. But um, Ron Zook, man, I have much respect for him. Even like so even even though we bump heads every now and then, but I got much much respect for Ron Zook. And what's your favorite moment in the swamp? Um, you talked about when you first came into the uh, swamp at a night game, and, and it feels that. What was your favorite moment? Um, making a play either home or away. My favorite moment, I probably have to say, when we went to. Uh, Triple overtime with Vanderbilt when Vanderbilt came to Florida. Um, I, I think that. I had, I think I had like three tugs that game, and I had the uh, the touchdown to put us up. And uh, that guy like I said that was a night game too, man. And that was when they had uh, who was the quarterback then? Uh, the quarterback that played at Denver. I can't think of his name right now. It wasn't Jay Cutler, right? No, Jay Cutler. Jay it was Cutler. Yeah, it was Cutler. I remember that night, bro. I was stressing. I remember that night. Yeah, yeah. Jay Cutler. Yeah, he told us a new one up, man. But you know, sweet so the defense held it down, and uh, we were able to come out with a big win. But that was uh, that was that was one of my memorable games, especially in the swamp. Now, speaking of a time of time of games, you guys were talking about that. I, uh, like the average fan, we always talk about this on Twitter and whatnot. The, the noon games, as fans, we hate them. Why do why do noon noon games always be funky? Um, like the vibe, it's always a weird game. A mod chat, somebody let us know. I don't know what it is, man, but I agree with you. I hate playing the early games, and I guess I, maybe I, most I, of the, most I, of those are early. I, I, I like I like the night games too, child. But I'm gonna tell you what was was, and you're gonna agree with me. I hate okay. night games for the simple fact that we gotta meet all day long, bro, before the game. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, <laughs> yo, and when I got to the NFL, um, so you don't even meet on the day of the game at four one o'clock. <laughs> You wake yeah. up, you go straight to the game, bro. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I felt like I was always prepared. Urban ain't never underprepare us, but 
a couple times, I think we was over over prepared a little bit, bro. Sometimes. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. I do, man. But the thing about those early games, where I really hated, it was just like most of those early games, we went. No disrespect to the other, you know, the college teams, but we weren't really playing nobody. We were really playing those early games against teams that we were just, you know, murdering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the competition in practice like with, with Zook, man? What was the vibes like? We get we get all the urban stories. We won't get a lot of Zook guys to know what, like how what was the practice culture like? Um, I mean, it's it pretty intense, especially like I said that um, not my freshman year uh, spring training. I mean, training camp, but uh, my sophomore training camp. That's like I said, that's when I really started getting involved and kind of really you know focused and pay attention to what was going on and everything. But uh, he was a real intense coach, man. He you know he got after you. You wanted to you know you be your best and everything, but um. The, the practice and everything, man, that we, we used to get into it, man, especially the defense that we had at that time, man. So, um, we got to go a little bit. Who's the alpha in the locker room? Who the big dog? Keep it real with your boy. Uh, man, probably my – when I was there, man, my freshman year, sophomore year, I probably had to say uh, Shannon. Um, he retarded a little bit. Uh, yeah, he was, he was a real deal. You know, uh, <laughs> T. Harris, Travis Harris. Uh, Gus Scott, man, Jarvis Heron, you know, those guys were, you know, the the, the leaders and uh, a couple of offensive linemen, man. Damn, I hate I can't think of their names right now, but we had a couple of offensive linemen, man. Randy Hand. Um, so, the, like, it's pretty much the older guys, man. You know, they they stepped up and, you know, did they were supposed to do it and try to, try to control that locker room as best as they could. What was the competition like on the uh, the wide receiver side of the ball? I mean, you had you, uh, you had Caldwell, you had a couple of the other guys. What what was that? What was that competition like? Um, <clears throat> my sophomore year, man, they spread the ball around a lot. You know, we had Caldwell, we had Cornelius, Jamel, mm-hmm. um, took us right. So we had Tooks. Um, <laughs> So we the, the ball got spread around a lot, man. To be honest with you, it was just we just they knew who they wanted to play and stuff already, and they you know we were in the game pretty much the whole the whole time. So the, you know, but uh, the ball got spread around, especially when Urban got there, man. Man, that ball was flying through there, man. I I love that offense there. So the ball the ball got everybody got got to touch the ball a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going through the roster. I know you had OJ Small, you had a good career. Dallas Baker was a junior, uh-huh. so Dallas DB, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chad, you uh, you leave after your uh, All SEC year, honorable uh, All Team All or All American, pardon me. You get drafted. The Patriots traded up a bunch of picks to to go ahead and grab you. What was your time in the NFL like? I know that you you dealt with a uh, hamstring injury your first uh, your first year, but but talk to us about your. Um, your time in the NFL there? Um, you know, I got drafted by the Patriots. And I, I, don't, I don't think I told anybody this, but I'm going to be honest. When the Patriots first, when they drafted me and I first got there and learned, trying to learn their system, you know how everybody, they learn differently. And the way they threw their offense at me, it was just, you know, I, was, I wasn't, I going to be honest, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and... To be honest, I think I got drafted to the wrong team at first. I think I needed to go to another team where they can could have developed me more, and you know I could have been better than what I was. But I'm gonna also say this: those dumbasses, excuse my language, <laughs> before train before training camp, man, they had us. I had I had one of the fastest fastest forty times at the combine. 
before that training camp, my rookie year, they had us run another 40, and I pulled my hamstring. I think I really actually tore it because I was out, man, for like oh, maybe and I came back to actually I came back to that uh, the AFC Coast game, mm-hmm. and that's when I tore my ACL. What the so hell are you running the 40s for? Your first round job, but you still running 40s. That's crazy. I have no idea, but like I said, I don't. I don't think nobody, nobody ever knew that. I think people just thought I just, you know, hurt my hamstring. But like I said, before we left uh, the break to go to training camp, they had us run forties and pretty much another combine. I pulled my hamstrings and I was, I missed the whole training camp. Um, I missed, like I said, half of the season, man. So I just, I, I like I said, be honest. I think I just, I went to the wrong organization. Not yeah. saying they're a bad organization at all, but sure. I think I went to the wrong organization when I, you know, when I got drafted. What was it like? Go, go ahead, so. I just want to ask him about the four three forty real quick. Uh, did you know yeah. going into the combine that that you being a former track guy that you was going to be prepared to run run a time like that? Hell no! I wouldn't. Man, I was expecting to go in there and like a four 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 five. You know, something like that. I knew That's I was a fast. nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, tell me about it. I knew I, I was fast. I tried to get some. <laughs> I tried to get surprised, but my surprise ain't going yeah. well. So. They're still, they're yeah, still clocking Ahmad for the time. Ahmad's 4'3 surprise was his jersey. No, nah, only 4'3 I had. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had never seen a 4'3. Listen, bro. They, they, look, they probably would have changed my positions or something. I'm, I'm out there running 4'3s, but, man, I couldn't do that to save my life. That's crazy. You ain't know you, run, you was going to run no time like that, though. That's cool, though. That's cool. That's super cool. Oh, man. But I, I got with those, those guys down in Florida, man, you know, Pete Marino. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I know them boys, man. They down south, right? They down south. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all, man. But shout I believe that's who Scarlett trained with, too, a little bit. Um, oh, Scarlett, uh, Joy Scarlett, you trained with those guys in high school. That's how I kind of know those dudes. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, Pete got me right, man. And, you know, the things that he put you through as far as, you know, mechanics and everything like that, man. And I went out there just, like I said, I knew I was fast, but I didn't. I wasn't expected to do all that, so... That's what's up. I think that that, so, that forty so times SEC wise, like top four, top four or five or something like that. Yeah, so dope. Okay. Oh, I see. That's crazy time. Chat. What what was it like playing for for Belichick? Um, I know him and Urban are close, uh, but what was that experience like for you? Uh, Bill Belichick, man, he he is what you see on TV. He's that plain dull guy that you like. Man, I don't, never, I don't even think people, you know, even act like that. His his demeanor is is just real low key, real, real chill, man. And uh, and he's a he's a great coach. You know, you seen what he what he's done with his track record. Yeah. Uh, you seen what he's done, you know, with the defense that he has. He's always he's always keeping a good defense. And you know, Tom's gonna be there, so he's coaching everybody up. He's always in the offensive room. He's always in the special team meetings, in the uh, defensive meeting, man. So he's an all-around coach. So he, was, he, you know, have much respect for him as well also. Chad, that's enough. I'm a Dolphins fan, so I don't really want to talk much about the Patriots. So I want to go back to your time at, at, uh, at UF. Uh, what, was, what, was your, what was your favorite game to play in? Uh, my favorite game, I probably have to say the Tennessee game. We went to Tennessee. And they and uh, they ended up beating us, um, but I had a uh, I had a good touchdown run that game. Um, but that uh, like I said, playing in Florida, uh, in that stadium, the crowd and everything. Man, but once you you get to Tennessee and you play in that stadium, man, 
That's a whole different monster right there. Hey, Chad, I, I, I wouldn't know because that time we went there, they was quiet within the first five minutes. Right. <laughs> you know, now, we, we went in yeah, there and bust their ass, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I wouldn't know that time. Yeah, so, hey, you, you wouldn't get that experience, man. But, yeah, I probably had to say when we went to um, Tennessee my sophomore year, man, it's, it was a – was a, was a different experience for me also. Okay. Okay. What were your, what were your thoughts on, on, on Florida, Georgia? I mean, you were there, you know, uh, you know, Florida had Georgia's number when you were there. What was, what was that experience like for you? Did you like the, the, the neutral side environment or, or did you wish you get to play between the hedges or, or what were your thoughts there? I wish we could have played, you know, home every now and then, but, uh, like I said, you can't break tradition like that. Um, but that uh, that rivalry between us is, um, you know, it's just like any other rivalry, man. It's it's, it's going to be a good game between, you know, two good teams. And um, I can't remember. If, I don't think we – I think we were ranked when we played them. I think we were ranked maybe top 15 at the time. And uh, I don't think they were expecting us to win that game, to be honest with you, uh, too. But um, they, like I said, we are like – Good teams, man. They always gonna have a good game with each other, especially in that Georgia Florida rivalry. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa! You better flip that, flip that around and say Florida Georgia. My you know bad, sorry, Florida, Florida Georgia. All right, <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that. I'm glad you called that a month. I gotta Thanks, catch man. that. You know, I, 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 look, I'm trying to catch that. So that'll get us canceled. Yeah, they, sure, they're gonna try to take us out of there and say that. <laughs> Um, hey, Chad. So, so, you, Chad, you keep up with the team like quite often, like you know, with the games and whatnot. The Florida games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. So, talk about what what you feel like we need to to get us over that hump, man, and get us back in the SEC championship, um, and possibly possibly be contenders in in you know in for the national championship. Ah, uh, I hate to say this. I hate to say this. But um, shout out to Felipe Franks. Felipe, I hated that you got hurt, man. I hated that you, you know, you had that injury. But when we had that different, when we had trash in that quarterback, we were a whole different ball team. And I know a lot of people saw that. So yeah. it all starts with it all starts with the quarterback play, man. Once you got a quarterback who can control that offense and control everything that's going on, man, I think, hell, damn Mullen, he's got the offense. I played with him. He was my OC when I was there. Yeah, right, right, he's, right. he's got the he's got the offense, and you know, what I'm saying we got the players. We just need that guy to get us the ball. You know, what I'm saying so. Uh, I think we had a couple of guys Chad. on defense. What's up? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. 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 You cut out on my end. It's probably just Skype. Uh, okay. Um, I said we had a couple guys on defense that stepped up as well. Uh, I think we had. I think we keep. Uh, a D line man every year, and then uh, linebackers and we always keep some DBs too, man. So uh, each year, man, I can see I see us growing and getting and developing and getting better each and every year, man. So it's just it's just a matter of time for we, you know, I I give us if everything you know open back up this year, I give us I get us close to get into you know to the playoffs, but after this year, we're definitely gonna be there, man, because we're gonna have the talent. Yeah, sure. For sure. So have you seen uh game in the swamp post post uh your career? I have not, man. I have not. I wanted to go back last, the past couple of years, man, but uh we gotta get you back, back in the swamp, dog. Oh, yeah, so, I so. Get definitely. 
Well, hold on, wait, wait a minute. Actually, I actually well, not in the swamp. I went to the uh, uh, when we played Michigan in the bowl game, but then when we played Alabama in the SEC championship. But that was in Atlanta, though. But that was that was the last Florida games uh, that I went. But I haven't been back to the swamp, man, since I left. Yeah, as soon as they free us up and football is good and safe, we gotta get you back, bro. Hey, I'm down, man. I'm I'm ready. To, I'm ready to get out there and experience it again, man. It's different than we out there on the. Uh, on the field and playing, you know, you don't see so much, but sitting back and, you know. Oh, it's different. Ahmad, tell him about it, man. Ahmad, yeah. no. Man, hey, that's a whole, it's different, bro. It's different. It's a whole, yeah, it's a whole different atmosphere, man. Definitely, definitely, man. So, y'all, with it, if it, like I said, when I hope it does open back up, man. We had to get y'all boys contact, man. Y'all let me know. And I definitely. Yeah, we're going to lay it out for you, bro. We're going to lay it out for you, man. You want, you want sweet tickets, we're going to make it happen. That'll work, bro. I appreciate it. Already, Chad. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us, man. We're gonna get in touch with you, with you, man, and um, shoot at a game, kick it at a game one of these days, man. Okay, thanks, fellas, man. I appreciate y'all boys having me on the show, man. Y'all stay safe out there and all this, man. Crazy shit that's going on out here, man. Already, brother. Appreciate y'all boys. Already, man. Go Gators. Go Gators, man. Thanks, Chad. And our next guest is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The best of the best when it comes to grooming essentials, Dan. You got your weed whacker, bro? I did. They just sent your boy the weed whacker, man. Ma, you got your weed whacker? Man, I got my weed whacker, so I'm, I'm all set to date. You clean them dreads out your nostrils? How man, you feeling? I like to breathe good, real, real good now with my weed whacker. Yeah, man, real smooth, man. I, um... Before I got the weed whacker, I was a nose plucker, um, which is a painful experience. <laughs> so this is a step up, man. I'm stepping up my grooming game thanks to Manscaped.com, man. I got that. I got the lawnmower 3.0, which is fire. You use it in the shower. You got the skin-proof technology. You're not skinning up your man meat. Um, it's waterproof, so everything's everything, man. Um, if you want to uh, up your grooming game and get these Manscaped.com uh, essentials, Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off. Again, that's coupon code SG, 20% off, and free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Let's hang out with my man, Tori and Gray. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gales, Florida Gators defense and backs coach Torian Gray. Torian, it's a pleasure to have you on this evening. How are you? I'm great, Dan. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, well Torian, we want to obviously ask you a, a lot of different things, but uh, this is your second stint at uh, at Florida. How did you ultimately end up here the first time, and then what brought you back the second time? The first time, you know, I did my 10 years at Virginia Tech, which is my alma mater, so, you know, definitely – Definitely um, had a lot of blood equity, sweat equity there. And um, Coach Beamer ended up retiring, so they brought in a new coach who ended up keeping me on. Um, but I was like, well, if, if I'm going to move, you know, this would be the, be the time to move. And um, I, I got I got calls from a couple guys at Florida. Hey, would you be interested in, in coming, coming, coming to the University of Florida? And I was like, man, if it's one place that I, I, I would, would leave, um, you know, my alma mater for it would be, to come back home. I'm a, I'm a native Lakeland Floridian, so like, man, it'd be a great opportunity to coach in the SEC, 
coach big time go. players, recruits, recruit on that lay, on that level, man, and 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 be able to coach guys of the the Quincy. I mean, um, not Qu- yeah, Quincy Wilson, Jalen Tabor, Marcus May. I'm like, man, that's that's a hell of an opportunity, man. And I'm two hours from home, and I'm like, man, yeah, I, I would love, I would love that opportunity. So that was fortunate for me to be able to come the first time. I love it. So, so coach, I want to talk to you and then I want to come back to your time at Florida, but just because he played at Florida uh, and then you got to coach him in the NFL between those two stints uh, was your time with the Washington Redskins and Quentin Dunbar, a, a wide receiver for the University of Florida, ended up coming to the, uh, to the Redskins and, and ended up playing defensive back. What was it that you saw in him and, and how did you groom him to ultimately become, you know, one of the best defensive backs right now in the NFL? I tell you what, man, um, that's a hell of a story. Like, um, they had transitioned Donnie. Jay Gruden saw something in him um, before I got there. And, you know, Donnie came out of the University of Florida, I to understand, as a wide receiver. And, you know, you got this tall, long guy, 6'2", 6'3". And I, I guess maybe Jay, maybe he wouldn't make it as a wide out or, you know, he felt he had a better chance as a defensive back. But anyway, Donnie was, Donnie was raw. So when I got there, I think he just had one year at defensive back and, really didn't, you know, didn't understand defensive back and didn't know what he was doing, man. But you can't teach height and speed. Dunny had height. Dunny had speed. He had athleticism. So, you know, you take a raw plate and you got a lot of things to work with, man. And he was hungry and willing to learn, man. And it's like just taking this this big dough of Clado and, and being able to, you know, make a make an you know, have a chance to make um, you know, a masterpiece with it or whatnot because he was hungry, he was willing. And um, it was just fun, um, you know, taking a guy that really didn't have any bad habits and, and um, you know, him coming in, hey, coach, man, how do you see the game? Teach me how to see the game from a defensive back perspective and, and going through um, breaking down splits, formation, down a distance and all those things. And, I mean, he just gravitated to it, man. So it was a lot of fun coaching Dunny for the two years I was there, man. Hey, coach, I guess, I guess he got tired of uh, but getting on his ass when he was at wide receiver when I was there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had to come to the top five. We used to get on his ass, boy. I don't, look, he had hey. a, a rough deal with us out there. <laughs> hey, Black, if you can't if you can't beat him, Jordan, why not? There you man? go. There you go. go. I'm sorry, Dan. I ain't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, bro. No, you're good. Um, so let, let's bring it back to college. Uh, you you come to Florida. You're you're here for a year. Uh, just about about that time, you, you had some some really good recruitments, and you know C.J. Henderson, uh, you know now a number one draft pick, was a, a guy that you were involved with uh, a bit there. But but talk to us about that that first year, uh, you know coming to to Florida, uh, and then ultimately how did that impact? Um, or, or let me let me stop there and backtrack a second, and then ultimately how does it compare to coaching? Because this is was your second stint in the NFL of going from from coaching the college game again to to going back into the NFL about a decade later. <laughs> oh man, let me see. Where do I where do I start? Um, the, the the first time coming to Florida was that the first part of your question? Just yeah, I know uh, that there was like seventy seven parts of that question. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well like, I, like I mentioned, man, um, coming to Florida at, at, at Virginia Tech, where I, where I came from, man, where we're getting, you know, certain caliber of recruits and you're de- developing those guys. And I'm like, man, you come to the University of Florida. And like I said, you got, you know, Quincy Wilson, Jalen Tabor, Marcus May, um, uh, damn, Marcel Harris. I mean, you got, you just got some studs, man. And it, it's amazing. The, the level athlete you can recruit. And then I was only here for the one year. We ended up playing in the SEC 
championship game, lost Alabama. I think we were like top five in the nation, pass defense, um, top 10 overall defense. You know, it was a great one year. And the first time I was coaching the NFL, I was a, a defensive assistant, so I didn't have the own room to myself. And um, I guess, you know, the Florida brand, man, it, it, it elevated me, honestly. And, um, you know, a couple pro teams had, had, had inquired about me doing an interview, so I did a couple interviews and got offered a job by both teams. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I do love the college game. I love teaching technique, fundamentals. I love the impact I have on young men's lives and all those things. But, you know, if I'm going to have a, my own opportunity to, to coach my own position on the NFL, let me scratch that itch, and I ended up doing that. And um, the recruiting class we had that year, though, um, was C.J. Henderson, Marco Wilson, um, Sean Davis, um, it was Donovan Steiner, it was Brad, Brad um, Stewart, you know, those guys, it was a really strong defensive back class. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, man, I got, a, I got a great chance to go. And the difference between the college and the pro level, like if I tell, tell the college guys, they haven't made any money yet. So, you know, I'm making more money than them, and they'll actually do what the fuck you tell them to do. Right. And you end up going to the pro level, and you got Josh Norman making $75 million. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, hey, Josh, you know, let's, let's not bail on third down and, and, and five and, you know, give him a fucking um, first down. Can, can we just stay straight up here and press? But, you know, Coach, I make all my plays. It's what I do, you know. So I can't bitch yeah. the motherfucker. You make $75 million. They're going to get this me first. Yeah. You know, that's the biggest difference, man. You know. Oh, so, so anyway – um. You know, I did two years there. Um, great experience, though, when traded for the world. And then I guess Coach Warren left. And, you know, I recruited C.J. Marco. Um, I was here the first time with Jawan Taylor. So Jawan calls me, and he's like, man, our defensive back coach left. And a couple minutes later, maybe he must have talked to Marco. Or something. And, and, you know, those guys knew me from the recruiter, recruiting process. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, it's like, well, Coach, man, would you consider coming back? And I was like, well – you know, um, you got to ask your head coach that man, and and then it just kind of, kind of, kind of went on from there. You know, it ain't my decision. You know, um, you know, you know, it's your head coaches, and, and it's just crazy how that thing kind of manifested itself. And and I was like, when I was at Florida the first time, I, I would have loved to have stayed. Um, but like I said, I had a great opportunity, mm-hmm. and I, you know, just like I was ten years at Virginia Tech, I would love to be in that Florida for a long time. But again, I took an opportunity. And to get a chance to be able to come back and, again, coach those type of caliber athletes, man, I never got to coach CJ, man. CJ coming out of high school, man, he was as talented as, as any guy that, you know, like I said, um, you know, that, that, you, can, that you can get and, and be able to coach. So I was fortunate to be able to coach him for a year. It's a great being able to coach Marco. And, you know, like I say, Sean and Steiner and Brad, those are guys um, before I left that we all had recruited to the secondary. So you already had familiarity with those guys and Jawan Taylor. So, um, like I said, man, it's, it's great to be able to do what you love to do. I'm close to home. I'm in my home state, man. I'm, like I said, close to family. So it's just been a tremendous deal to have an opportunity to come back a second time. I'll give, I'll give you credit, Coach, and I know Maude's got a question. You answered every single part of that question, I think even in order. So fantastic job. <laughs> 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 it came to me as I was talking, I guess. The that's order right. to try to proceed in. That Rubik's I mean, Cube so, question he gave you, bro. That's right. Yeah. So, T. Gray, so, you know, uh, I played – I was, you know, blessed enough to play in the NFL. Um, you know, you, you played out there um, in the NFL as well. Um, a lot of people always ask me what is the difference in between, uh, you know, playing in the NFL and, and playing in college. <laughs> um, I, and me personally, I always think – 
it ain't the game speed to me because the game I played in the SEC. The game speed was fast. We played. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks, you know. Oh, from, definitely. Yeah, and NFL level to college is is, is a crazy jump. Um, what what's the hardest thing to coach against? Uh, in the NFL, is it the wide receivers? Is it the quarterback? Um, is it the games? You no, know, it's, it's the combination of it's the combination of the both. And, and you put it, man. You put the the best way. And, and I, I don't know if that's the angle I would have went if you hadn't mentioned it. But Amar, like when when you're talking about the margin for error, man. Um, yeah. You know the quarterbacks we're going to see in the SEC. You got it. You got your Joe Burrow. You got the um, the guy who was at Georgia last year. Those are a high level, um, very good quarterbacks. Right, you're only right. going to see maybe two or three of those a year. Right. The quarterbacks you're going to see in the NFL, even the lower level ones, oh, the combination yeah. of how good the receivers are and, yep. and, and how precise they are with their throws where the margin of error just got really thin. So if your technique, your fundamental, your hand placement, or your alignment isn't exact, man, they're going to exploit you on those things. So that's the biggest difference, man. It's definitely the quarterback play. Okay. And uh, for, the, for, the average, for the average listener – who, who don't really know, uh, talk about uh, what what goes in, in in preparation for a college game that that could be po- possibly be different for the NFL game. Um, I just know that, you know the receivers, uh, you know how, how you know they split the the numbers on the field are a little bit different, the hash marks are a little bit different. Can you go to that mm-hmm. and, uh, into that a little bit in depth? You know, is there any well, different? Well, obviously, when you're talking about the professional athletes. The, the caliber of players that you're going against week in, week out, I think that's the biggest difference. Right. Um, like, but like you said, um, Ahmad, SEC, man, I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing pretty good dudes um, every week. Except, you know, um, you know, say you play some 1AA teams or something like yeah. that, now you're not seeing those NFL caliber dudes. So right. I think that's the biggest difference. The way I coach, the way I do my meetings in college and pros, um, you know, the pro guys don't have – school and study hall and those type of things. Yep, yep. So it's you different. can put more more emphasis and, and input into to all the little details and all those things. But yep. honestly I think I try to still hit those same details um, you know, from from the college preparation um perspective too though. Yeah, so so that you know that was that was gonna be my next thing is, you know, um, you know, you, you coached at the, the NFL level and the pro level, um and, and that's the highest level. Uh, you know, what is there anything that you do to get these guys prepared for that? Um, I know when I was getting prepared for it, man, I used to like to talk to the older guys who already, you know, who's in the NFL to kind of tell me, what, you know, what I need to work on, what, you know, what I can get better on. Or, you know, um, is there anything that you're, you're prepping these guys for, like when they come to college? Like, hey, you know, when you get, you know, if, if you're best enough to get to the next level, um, here's all the things mm-hmm. that, that you need to, to work on or get better at. Right. Well, you know, we're always it's always an ongoing evaluating um, of, of the players that I'm coaching, um, right. as far as the technique, the fundamentals, um, always trying to push a button to get the maximum out of them. But the biggest thing that I try to get of these guys, because if you're an NFL talent, um, and you got an NFL mindset, you got an NFL drive, um, you know, I, I'm trying to push the buttons to, the, yeah, so yeah, you can understand, yeah. man, if, if I'm not, if I'm not a starter, you know, I, I better be a I better be a special team player. I better be able to have some value and, correct, and things correct. like that. And I better have a certain mindset and a professionalism and a mentality for when I leave this level and go to that level because now there's there is no margin for error, man. Unless you're a first round pick and they got to keep you for a couple of years, man. You're you you know you're you're always fighting for the next guys that they're bringing in or the guys they're going to bring off the streets or 
you know, things of that nature. So your mindset has got to be of, of a professional mindset. Your strain has got to be of a, a, to a certain level. Your hunger has right. got to be of a certain level. And, right. you know, then the other piece of that thing, Ahmad, is, man, the, I'm trying to help these guys here at Florida make a play before the ball is snapped. What's formation? What's the down? Yeah, yeah, why is he in this yeah, tight yeah. split? Why is right. he? Why is he right. oversplit, man? Well, you know, um, the 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 is off, man. They're gonna match protect, so your route's gonna be deeper right. down the field. All the right. little things I can give those guys that they honestly, um, not a lot of pro coaches get into those type of details. Sometimes That's just the way I really coach. Actually, college job pro. Yeah, yeah they, they don't get into those. They don't. They don't have time to do details. all that because you know what a lot of people don't know, man. That 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 shit moving like for people who play college football or whatnot who seen it, man. You can bingo a hundred times. In the NFL, you ain't been going. And we ain't running this playback. We're going to talk about it on film, and we're going to get better at it. Mm -hmm. And then that's how it is. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's no bingo or anything of that nature. So, um, yeah, the, the game is definitely, you know, and that and, and at the next level, is, is definitely in fast pace. Definitely. Definitely. Coach, um, you have uh, Chad Wilson and, and, and my man Abe Elam as, like, DB dads. What are your relationship like with those guys? <laughs> <laughs> great man great you know uh um, i was about to know, pitch the boys a uh a, re, a reality show db dads you know what i'm saying but it didn't nobody, oh, really? nobody yeah i think it would have been dope <laughs> well the, so the, another difference of, of of college and the pros is you got the alpha dads in, in college right. you got to deal with and um but if, if they if they feel that you as a coach and they're doing their research and they feel hey man i know this guy can get my son ready um for the next level i know they can get him better um, if you know that, you know, you can, you can, you can talk to them in their language and, and, you know, understand what, what they're trying to do for their sons and help and help them along those lines, man. Yeah, I, I got great relationships with both, of, both of those guys, man. And that, that is a hell of a deal. You need to get that, that DB or whatever, DB dash, whatever production that you finished started, man. That's pretty I cool. got to figure it out, no, man. man. Abe, Abe too low key. He ain't gonna want to do nothing no, like that. Somebody, 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 somebody. Now, how did it, um uh, how did Kyrie recruitment came down? Because you showed up uh, right before it was signing day. Uh, our defensive back coach at the time went to uh, Georgia, and it kind of came down to us in Georgia. So how did that play out? Man, you just There's a lot of drama. So and, and, and you're trying to get in and sell yourself and, and and your background and your history is you know and 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 just be myself and when I'm a you know. You know, this is this is what I've done, and and Abe Abe's a smart guy, man. He 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 knew my research. He knew what I did um, at Virginia Tech, and one of my good friends, well, not one of my good friends, but one of Abe's good friends from Delray area, Brandon Flowers. I coached him at Virginia Tech, so Brandon, um, you know, he was able to get all types of background information about me, and you know, the University of Florida is a major brand. Like, well, not in Georgia is a major brand, but um, like like I said, I guess when you weighed all the factors in together, man. Um, you know, we were just fortunate that Kyrie um, decided to, to come to the University of Florida. No, I, I keep an eye on, like, the offers you put out when you're recruiting the kids. Is there a certain build or where there seems to be a certain build? What are you looking for when you um, send out offers as far as body type, film type, um, mm -hmm. what a guy got to do to get an offer from UF? I can't teach two things, Silk. I can't teach height. I can't teach speed. So, um, you yeah, know, you I, I, I love guys with length. Hey, Gray, what you I mean? said, and then you can't teach me. Hey, <laughs> Gray, what, 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 so, 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 what you mean? 
Cause you know, he I, said he's saying you short and slow, bro. That's why you no, on the podcast right now? That's no offense. That's why you wore forty three, bro. I, I couldn't work with the black, but I couldn't teach you. I couldn't teach you how to be six foot. That's all. But no, like, Already. like you, you say, if there's a certain profile that I prefer, I'm not saying that you know you don't you don't take um a sort of guy or whatever black or whatnot, man. But I'm just saying, you know, it's still talking about the profile. You know, that's what you see with Dahari. Abraham, right. um, Ethan Pouncey, C.J. Marco, right. all the guys. You know, you like you like those. I love those type of body types, man. You know, so that's just just the preference thing. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I, I'm, I'm beating you work from there, man. <laughs> Mama coach, I'm going at the same thing. I'm, I'm right here talking crazy. I ain't going for no short, no short DBs, man. <laughs> oh, all right, hey man, but you you you're you're that exception, obviously, man. You made it to the pro level. Um, you know, and honestly, you know when you go to the combine black and all those things, man, yeah, sure. it up, man. Everybody wants yep, to see, yep, see yep. you know, and, and for yep. you to do what you did, man, is, is, is a hell of a deal, honestly, because it, it is a measured type of deal, you know, what guys are looking for initially. Then it comes down to the other factors. For sure. All right. Last question that I got question for you, man. Okay. I, mean, I, mean, I may got some more questions, but right now, uh, it's been a lot of like disputes on the timeline who landed uh, Chris Henderson and how that recruitment went down. Um, tell us a little bit about CJ, man. He, for your first round DB um, that you got well, originally. I mean, you, you, well, as a, as a Somebody did. coach, obviously you're you're involved in the deal, man, but um, you, right. know, you got guys that are from the area that's recruiting, deuce, recruiting too, so you got Randy Shannon, you know, you got, you know, whoever's the area coach down in those areas that also have relationships and you know, that have been down in that Miami area for a while. So, man, all that stuff, is it's in a combination, and, and, and it helps, man, you know. You know, same thing, you know, with, with any guy you recruit down in South Florida, you're going to have the area coach, but the position guy got to have a great relationship, and those kids got to feel good that this guy is going to coach me too because, you know, the position coach ultimately is going to be the guy that's going to be around you, not just the area guy. So, like I said, I think it's just a combination of it all. And how did you do? How did you stay in contact with the guys? We got all this Corona stuff going on. So, how was your communication with them guys with workouts and making sure they were still on their game and ready for fall ball when they get back? Man, the guy who made up Zoom is is is, is getting. I tell you, I, I see these these in the parking lots and whoever's got Zoom and Chick Fil A and, and and stuff like that. Man, they're, they're making a killing right now because Zoom has been the way we've been able to do our player meetings with the guys. Um, you know, and that's pretty much. You know, we can ask them anything through that. You know, how's, how's your day going? Are you getting your workouts in? Who are you working out with? All the, all those type of things. So, you know, that's that's pretty much been our median because, you know, like I say, with the social distancing and the guys are, you know, we'll, we'll be able to get back June 8th and with some voluntary workouts. So you'll get some guys coming back. But, I mean, you know, most of the guys are, aren't in Gainesville. Y'all say probably 80, 80, 90% of the guys aren't in Gainesville um, doing all that time. So, you know, that's be the only means of, of communicating with them. Coach, talk to us a, a, a little bit about, you know, you get, you know, a, a high-end four-star guy, five-star guy that comes on a campus. Uh, you sign him. Um, maybe was, you know, always the best player on his team. Uh, probably was. Um, has some ego. How do you guys deal with a player that comes in with maybe unrealistic expectations of, of college or, you know, ego? How do you, how do you check that as a coach? Well, you know, if 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 the the unreal if the expectations are unrealistic, man, you're just trying to to coach them and and show them on film, hey, hey, you know, this is your expectation, but you're not doing X, Y, and Z. 
the way, it, you know, the way it needs to be done for you to be the most productive player you are. And, you know, hopefully over the process through that, that fall camp process or that spring process, if they are mid your guys and stuff like that, they'll, they'll continue, they'll eventually mature and understand, Hey, you know, I really got to work at this thing, man. I just can't come in and, and because of, you know, the, the status I was in high school and think I'm gonna, gonna all of a sudden be successful. There's a process to this thing. And, you know, you kind of got to just got to keep, keep, keep your thumb on them and, and, and let them mature through the process of, you know, coaching them, watching them on film, um, pressing the right buttons, understand how they like to be coached or what buttons you push. Some guys you can be firm with, some guys you got to kind of, kind of coach um, a little differently. But, um, you know, like I said, it's just some, some guys just takes time to, to process and you got to, you know, some say coach say you got to de-recruit them a little bit now. Now, okay, we, we were, we were your, you know, real nice or, or whatnot and doing a recruiting coach. Now we got to, you know, okay, now, okay, you're here. You know, now we got to get, okay, we got to, you know, just, just get them in line to the way the gate is standard and the, the way things are supposed to be done. I gotcha. And so when you were, when you were coached the first time you, uh, what it was Jeff Collins and I guess Randy Shannon, uh, you went to the NFL and then you came back uh, with Todd Grantham. How difficult is it for you as a defense backs coach to adjust to different defensive coordinators and different schemes, et cetera? Well, it's really just learning the verbiage and the terminology. Um, and, you know, most of your coverages and your concepts of the defenses are, are all the same. They're going to just be verbiage differently and packaged differently. And, and Grantham has such a volume of defense. It's just a matter of me understanding how he's packing, packaging it and then wants it to be coached. So, you know, through those part, types of things, there's, a, there's an adjustment you have to make. And, and um, you know, it's just getting on the same page with that. So I feel like being in it, in it for a year now, you know, uh, you know, man, I hate we couldn't do spring ball and all those things because now I feel like I got a much better grasp of, you know, what the system is, how he wants it to be done, how to present it to the players and all those things. And, and um, you know, so it's just a matter of us being able to, to get out and actually, you know, get to that process. I got you. And so players come back next week. Do you guys have a pretty firm idea of, of what those next couple of weeks of voluntary workouts are going to look like? Or is it kind of the same just in person? Oh man. Um, well, this, obviously, this whole deal is a is a is a is a new thing, and um, under circumstances with what we're doing, so there's going to be different protocols to how the workouts are going to go, um, how many guys can be in at a time, and you know, it's 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 a whole different world. So, I mean, I imagine it's just going to take a couple weeks then just to get used to the flow of that. Now, as far as our meetings, even though these guys will be physically here on campus, we still got to do all our meetings virtually. Um, so, you know, that's, like I say, it's just adjusting to, you know, to the rules that we're, we're dealt with now and, and, and with all the proper protocols to, to keep guys from, you know, not contracting the still is what we're, we've got to be able to do. So talk to us about talk to us about next year. You're replacing, you know, first round draft pick. I uh, got a couple of uh, you know studs. Uh, probably Kyer Elam is probably the guy that, that most folks are excited about. So talk to us a little bit about what we should expect out of uh, Gator, you know, defense backs next season. Man, I, I think it's an, an exciting group. Man, you got um, a guy like Marco Wilson who you know had the option, could have left. Um, you know, probably would have been a second, third round pick with a with a good combine and, and, and things of that nature who want to come back and, and solidify his stock. So that, that's a big, big plus for us right there. Um, Kyrie Elam is only 
begun to get better. Um, you know, um, you got Jaden Jaden Hill and Chester Kimbrough. You got you know the other other freshmen that that are going to be a year older and now going through all these off season meetings and stuff that we're doing that really understand it. Uh, where you know they're going to be like I said, so much better leaps and bounds. And then you got an exciting group of a young young freshman that's going to get groomed and and you know that's that's got like you say got that length, height, speed, um, athletic ability that you like it, that you know, that, that we all covet and, and love. So it's going to be an exciting group. It's going to be not a great experienced group, but a young and talented group. So uh, we, we like that part. And then with our safeties, man, we got some, some experienced veterans out there. You got three seniors with Sean Davis, um, Donovan Steiner, Brad Stewart, and, um, you know, they'll be able to bring along some younger guys under them. You know, Trey's going to be able to play in between some spots and stuff like that, Trey Dean and, find out where he fits in with that deal, man. So it's, it's, it's an exciting group um, from that standpoint. What do you think? How does, how does trading real quick before we get off of that? Uh, how, how does trading improve his game going into next? I think I thought he had, uh, he struggled his, his uh, freshman year, which is, which is good, but he looked, it looked, it looked promising. Like it, it looked like a, a, like a solid freshman year. Like this kid got potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of like got off the rails a little bit last year. Cause how does he get back on the straight, you know, get his, uh, his game back. We need confidence, man. You need confidence as a player. You got to go out there and you got to play with confidence. And I think just Trey having this off season to, to really, you know, okay, study and understand what he's going to be doing. Um, know the whole structure of the defense better because you know last year was a new position for him. So you know, um, if it's something that was different for him, some guys don't may, may not adjust um, as quickly or as well. So, you know, now that he's got a chance to sit back and, you know, he's a he's a excellent hard worker, man. And, you know, he's going to be hungry. He's going to want to he's got he's going to have some pride. So he's going to know what he's doing so he can play fast, react instead of be out there thinking. I think that's really going to allow the, the, the athleticism and the playmaking ability of Trey to, to shine um, this year. So I'm excited to see him, um, you know, come back this year. Who makes the decisions on the star position? Is, is it you or, or uh, English? Coach English coaches the stars. Yes, oh, okay. It's it, it um, some crossover there. Um, you know, like Marco, he'll be in my room corner-wise. Chester will be in my room corner-wise. But Ron, te- you know, he he coaches the, 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 the safeties in the star position. So how does that work? Because I know you, you guys like guys that are like tweeners or, or they could be flexible, move inside, outside, maybe even play a little safety. You guys like those versatile guys. How do you guys, yeah. uh, like, work the reps? Like at the different spots in practice, man. Before each day at practice, um, we have to get the practice strip, and um, you just gotta okay. You know this this set of four downs. We're gonna put um, you know Marco or put Chester at star. So now we can move this guy up and get him some reps at corner. And you just gotta be coordinated, and it's gotta be be um, well thought out and planned and then you hope nobody gets fucking hurt during practice so you know it, it fucks all your shit up but um you know you you, you just got to be able to plan out the practice honestly where guys can get the reps at the different different positions coach i, I guess my, my final question i always love hearing these stories Talk to us about your favorite recruitment. It doesn't necessarily have to be at Florida, although I'm sure they've gotten more wild and more wild as you've uh, gotten into the coaching <laughs> ranks and, and the years have gone by with social media and everything. But what are what are some of the recruitments that stick out in your mind? Oh, my God, man. It was probably 
probably the one year I was at Florida because, like I say, man, coaching in, in, in the SEC, recruiting in the SEC is a different animal. And um, we're going down to the last week before signing day. And, man, mind you, you know, every other place that I've been before, you know, man, we had all our, our damn guys committed and, and you know, you're kind of just kicking your feet up, whatever. Okay, you might got one guy you're waiting for on signing day. But as, as far as my experience and my history, um, man, most of the guys were already committed. Well, we got we got Marco and then, shit, you really ain't have much else that was committed to you if I'm trying to think back. All I know is CJ was between us and Miami down to the very freaking end, and that's nerve-wracking. That is stressful as hell. And, um, you know, a, a lot of those guys didn't commit to, like, the last week or the last two weeks, and yeah, it was just a whole different like, ballgame, man. man. Say it again? Y'all save CJ. Like, what are people with in Miami, man? You see that? You see what's going on down there? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, man. oh yeah, oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Hey, he he made he made the right decision, man. He made the right decision, but that that was as stressful as I've ever ever been. And you know, I guess that's just kind of part of recruiting in the SEC when you're going against um, the, the schools that you're going to be going against and recruiting. Like you know, Kyrie, that that's down to the last to the last fucking to the to the signing day. So that's. The SEC is a different animal, man. So that that's the biggest thing, man. Kyrie is going down, and you kind of talk to, oh man, if he picks up the phone the night before, maybe we're still winning and all that shit. That's that's the stressful shit right there. Now, that 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 last week of recruiting is is what it kind of goes down to with some of these guys. Now I follow uh, and I talk to a lot of Virginia Tech guys on on Twitter every year, and I fight. I just every year when uh whoever the coach is um when, when they start losing. <laughs> Your name get brought up as being the head coach. <laughs> like it's just like clockwork every year, man. Uh some, some a bunch of random fans start saying, man, we need to just bring Tori and Gray back. So what's the you you're a legend up there in Blacksburg, man? <laughs> well, I get I guess it's better to be to be thought of in that respect than than them them motherfucking myself. So I mean I guess I'd rather have it the other I'll take that over them like, man, you know. Tory and Gray suck with some shit. So I must have did some good things as a player and, and as a coach there, man, if they're talking in that light. Is that I your dream job? Head coach head coach like Virginia that. Tech, is that your dream job? Uh I think I gotta take it in progression to be honest, man. Um my dream job is 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 I love that at some point be able to coordinate and run my own defense. Um right, right. on on a high level, man. I would love to do that, man. I honestly, unless I get to that step, man, I really haven't thought about the the head coaching um, deal, man. Um, so you know that's 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 kind of would be a process and came in, coming to my goal realm of a goal. You know, once I make the next step, next progression. A lot. Nice. Well, coach, it was an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you this uh, this evening, man. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and all that stuff. All right, guys. Dan, um, Amar, Silk, man, appreciate it, man. Y'all can y'all can find me at, at to gray fourteen. All right, and um, appreciate you guys' time, man. Um, that was that was fun. Love doing this, and um, you guys continue to do all the great work you guys are doing, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate we'll, it. we'll have you on in the future. Okay, sounds good, man. Take all right. care, guys. All right, go Gators. Talk to you soon. Go Gators. Go Gators. Some content, man, for my for my veins. That was dope right there. Tigre, cool cat. It's cool, my cool. He said he Man, couldn't coach me. No, he definitely couldn't coach you. He couldn't coach a mod either. <laughs> he told me, man, I, I'm too small. I'm too slow, really. 
I'll be lying. I'll be lying to my son telling him I ran a four three. So I gotta keep that light going. So I'm fast enough. I just ain't ain't tall enough. You know what I'm saying? There you go. There you go. My my imaginary forty is is your jersey number. <laughs> I'm gonna start telling people that's why I wore it. So because I oh, 43 got to be the, the name of this show. I, I got ran a 43 and I put it on. Oh man! All right, mod. It's my favorite part of the show. Teach me something. What's the word of the week? All right, Dan. This is what we got for you, man. You know, um, straight out the hood. All right, Dan. So when somebody say, "Hey, Dan, hey, meet me at the bando," what does that mean? Um, Bando, man. So I've heard this song before because I've seen the Migos perform live. Uh, very good, very good. I like very that. Good, there you go. So is it um it's like a trap house, like an abandoned oh, like, okay. trap house, oh right? Daniel, Daniel yeah. said trap house. Daniel, where you hang out at, Dan? Oh, who, who is this guy? I don't know. I don't know. That's don't not know who you are anymore, bro. You're changing. Talking about trap houses. Who are Dan you? Yeah. So 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 Mando um, is, is, is what, Dan? Is it is an abandoned or trap house? An abandoned house or trap house? Bando. For the uh, for the 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 the, the caller, or I mean, not caller, for the 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 listener that may not even know what a trap house is. Oh, I, I can't do nothing for you, Dan. I don't know. It's an abandoned um, building that people may sell drugs out of. Yeah, may, may or may not uh, manufacture <laughs> or sell drugs. Out there you of. go. All right, yeah, may, may or may not. Um, Bando, Bando I. I think my culture calls them the crack house, you know. So <laughs> yeah, we gotta, you gotta like, you got, you gotta dumb it down a little bit. It can't yeah. be that plain no more. Like, yeah. that was like crack house. Me at the crack house sounds crazy in conversation. Yeah, that sounds too crazy. Yeah, we can't even conversate <laughs> like that. So. Saying the word crack it. in public is just crazy. You feel me? Because because crack, they ain't gonna think nothing <laughs> like. Because crack kills a man. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> like the first crack that comes to mind is, is is not a good one. So yeah, <laughs> very good. That's <laughs> our new Jack segment of the week. <laughs> I love it. All right, boys. Hey, great show. Uh, thanks so much for your uh, your your words at the beginning of the the episode. I think they they mean a lot to, to me, and I think they'll mean a lot to the listeners. Uh, I think Ahmad, uh, not only did you get the word of the week, I think you get the song of the week, and we told you before the show started, uh, so you didn't have to think about it. What do we got, buddy? All right, guys. The song of the week, um, you know, with everything going on and whatnot, I kind of wanted to kind of um, – Bring some unity a little bit. Um, so we're gonna rock with uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Where's the love? Oh, I like man. that. I like that. That's I like the What's vibes of that. The man. world, mama. There you go. Sing that again, bro. Give me that. Give me that again. <laughs> Give me that little run. The world, mama. <laughs> you sound like one of them guys that never makes American Idol, bro. Like the the, the spoofs in the beginning. You sound like one of them <laughs> guys. Right. That's exactly where I would. Like they don't even give, they don't even give them no TV time. They just give <laughs> no. them that, just a little, little edited part. Um, you got the world on my shoulder. I don't remember. Yeah, only I was care about money making. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's enough. Same corner, same time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You guys, I see that.
said to bring the trauma Overseas, yeah, we trying to stop terrorism But we still got terrorists here living In the USA, the big CIA The Bloods and the Crips and the KKK But if you only have love for your own race Then you only leave space to discriminate And to discriminate only generates hate And when you hate, then you're bound to get irate Yeah, madness is what you demonstrate And that's exactly how anger works and operates Man, you gotta have love just to set it straight Take control of your mind and meditate Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all, y'all People killing, people dying Children hurt and you hear them crying Can you practice what you preach And what you turn the other cheek Father, 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 help us Send some guidance from above These people got me, got me questioning Where is the love? Always shown by the media Negative images is the main criteria Infecting the young minds faster than bacteria Kids wanna act like what they see in the cinema Whatever happened to the values of humanity Whatever happened to the fairness and equality Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity Lack of understanding leading us away from unity That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling under That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling down It's no wonder why sometimes I'm feeling under Gotta keep my faith alive if love is found Now ask yourself Where is the We got one more, one more, and so we got one more. 